Welcome to Jeff's World with Jeff Stein, the show that sees life through the eyes of possibility, purpose, and punchlines. Because in Jeff's World, we blow minds and large hearts and leave no man or child behind. And now, here's your host, Chief Executive Optimist and President of These Inspired States of Mind, Jeff Stein. You know, you, you often hear the expression stopped in their tracks and uh as actors you know we do that for a dramatic effect you know we use add extra tears or we stop in our tracks or we do spit takes right and those don't often happen in real life they're really kind of for dramatic effect and i watched a senator stop in her tracks uh, like Aaron Carson said i'm jeff stein with erica ferrison and jeff hendrick and uh this is jeff's world hello and- and we are going to, uh, just a, a heads up, uh, we're going to be dark for the 4th of July week and such, so there won't be a show next week. We're all doing the 4th of July stuff. You know how you, that You can blame me. You go, blame Cancer Boy, because I, <laughs> I, have, I have to go get chemotherapy. So this one's on me, folks. I'm sorry that we're going to be dark, but I, uh, I have to kill Lumpy, and uh, I appreciate you Kill back- him. Kill Lumpy. <laughs> <laughs> So what I'm talking about, I mean, yes, and he is. He's doing well, and, and obviously we'll give you updates on Jeff. Uh, oh, yeah. Things are unfolding, and he's also, of course, living the, the healthcare experience in the front row seat, which is <laughs> which is both uh, fascinating for the show and uh, you know not so fascinating for. Yeah, him. I'm not losing my hair because of chemo. I'm yanking it out in handfuls <laughs> of rage. Because he's spitting mad. Spitting mad, folks. Yeah. So uh, what I refer to when I say stopped in their tracks. I mean, you mean literally. I saw the footage. Right? Yes. Yeah, it's amazing. Literally stopped in their tracks. Yeah. Lisa Murkowski, the Republican senator lady from Alaska, was being doing kind of a walk and talk inadvertently. She's making her way from one congressional building to another. I'm not sure where she was headed. But the reporters were just following her, and she's jamming along. It's a classic moment. You see this all the time if you're a democracy geek. You know, politicians running around in a half you know jog trying to avoid talking to reporters. <laughs> the, the, ha- the hallway of hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there was a moment, and I'll play it for you a little bit because obviously you won't see the video, but I'll, I'll point out the point when when something happened and she literally stopped and the entire gaggle of you know her people uh, all almost like clumped into her like a, like a Warner Brothers cartoon, right? And she answered, uh, this is why she stopped. So You still have folks in your caucus who want to repeal Obamacare root and branch. Mm-hmm. You've got other folks who say maybe there's ways to work with Democrats on this. Would, would you be a proponent of trying to work across the aisle to make some of those fixes as opposed to saying we got to start over? Absolutely. She stopped. The Congress of the United States, whether you're a Republican and Democrat in the House or in the Senate, Shouldn't we all be working together on the problems that are are part and parcel of, of who we are as Americans? This is this is not this is not for Republicans to fix or Democrats to fix. This yeah. is for us as Americans to fix. Yes. So when did we get to the point where we said no? We're not going to talk to Democrats about a fix. We should be working with our colleagues on the other side of the aisle. We should be working with our colleagues in the other chamber. Now, I can hear my co-host, and I'll yeah. let you guys have a moment with this when we get to the next segment. Where has this Lisa Murkowski been? So, <laughs> I lo- they give really good speeches, don't they? they give you guys still speeches. listening to them? Oh, my goodness. That's my yes and. Talk, talk, all good talk. Good speech. <laughs> so... No, no, Jeff. Hold on, hold on, hold on. When did we get to the point 
where uh, the the two sides refuse to talk to each other, huh? 1986. Is, are the Democrats <laughs> doing that right now to the Republicans? Is that what she's implying? I'm going to go with 31 years ago, 1986. <laughs> What's it called? <sighs> Obamacare? Who came up with that term? Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Jeff. I totally, completely disrespect you. Go ahead. Uh, you know, it, it, <laughs> that's okay. That is totally okay because much of the show is gonna be, is going to to be this. I, oh, I can dear. assure you. In fact, let, let, oh, let me, dear. I'll do the teases because <laughs> so why not? So today on Jeff's World, uh, where the healthcare bill goes next, including news on the backroom dealing that's going on, uh, the new reality in the White House press room, talking past each other. Something that's way overdue as that happened. For years, critics have complained that President Obama made us a laughingstock overseas. Well, we have some polling on that. (laughs) Fake news. A a major (laughs) shift in corporate spine on human rights issues. Did they they grow one? They did. And uh, we'll talk about that. Rand Paul goes rogue and demonstrates the thickness of the bubble. We got some good clips on that. What happens when classic Greek democracy intersects with modern communication? There was a moment that brought people to tears uh, in this last week as well. We have a new definition of fake news and the ultimate person to fake it. Another good story. How and also how rural Christian and white America is like spinal fluid. That's a little analogy that I'm going to explain. Uh, and the lightning round will include uh, the Sperminator, <gasps> the latest story of the Sperminator. You'll know what this is. What teenagers and seniors have in common. It's not a good thing. The next plastic item to be banned to follow all those plastic bag bannings. The newest obesity problem and 14 things ridiculously successful people do every day. That's going to be on Jeff's World today. Um, and and I, I know my optimism can be a little annoying sometimes, but if we don't look for these helpers, if we don't look for those things, and one of the things that is going on is Lisa Murkowski is a moderate who, I'm with you guys, she has been in this boys club for a long time, and this boys club doesn't really listen to her. And we could say, you know what? You should have been stronger. You should have been tougher. You should have pushed harder. And you shouldn't have gone along with as many things as they as she went along with. And I hope that her courage will continue to increase. But I also have some sympathy of the club that she's in. And, uh, you know, I give her credit for trying to improve it from within. And that is the big moment. She stopped in her tracks. And you could see the look on her face of like, well, yeah, we are supposed to work with Democrats. This is how it used to work all the time. You used to get hell, Newt Gingrich do passed not, many a thing. Do no, he's not, a horrible person now. He's do, gotten worse every day. Wasn't it Bill Clinton and Newt who did the uh, the grand compromise? Yes, they really worked well together. So, yes. the, but they did use Democratic votes, and that hasn't happened in a while. And yeah, now, but you know what? Let's go back to Newt Gingrich. <laughs> Newt Gingrich's uh, contract on America. Those 10 things, you know how many of those became law? Zero. Yeah. So don't give me that he's a great whatever. Okay, but I want to... <laughs> he's a loathsome intellectual fraud. Yeah, Newt, I, who I'm not going to cheated on multiple wives and on. dropped divorce papers but on let his Let me give you another one for you. Who was you... dying of cancer, so don't give me. Yeah, no. Don't. I, don't give I, me. I, I know. Gosh. Newt Gingrich, I'm not going right. to elevate to any uh, special level of character, because especially just now. elevate know. him just, just high enough to get his head on top of the but golf table. But he talked to Democrats, so... No, he talked. He took at, democratic votes. He talked at Democrats. There were, there were things that were passed with democratic with votes, um, right. and and Lisa Murkowski is is doing, and Susan Collins, and yes, I, I have had many problems with their inability to stand up to the boys' club, 
and and then pretend like, hey, it's just what happens. And that's unfortunate. But yes. So, <laughs> She's to raising your her point, hand. Erica's raising her hand. <laughs> I I get I get this point that you're making mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, and I I can see how it's hard to stand up, you know, to pressure to the boys' club and all of that stuff. And so I give them that and I give them, you know, if you, you know, if you are starting to find your footing and starting to sand like you, I say yay and, and cheer them on. But I feel personally, well, I, and, and not just by Republicans, but by corporate Democrats too, as you know, a progressive Democrat, um, it, it, it's, we're told things a lot, e- even Trump on the campaign trail. We're going to do this. Paul Ryan says we're going to k- take care of the poor and we're going to do this. And there's all this praise because they say these things, but they don't follow through on their actions. Yeah. And at some point, mm-hmm. it's it's like, show me, don't tell me. So I get your point about Lisa Murkowski. If she continues her her actions, according to what she's saying, woohoo! If not, I don't, I don't get the the praise worthiness. Well, you know, she vowed to vote against it. That's an action. Yeah. You well, know? and she, she she's one of the people that that was brave enough to say it, even you know before everybody else got in line and went, oh, okay, we're not voting for it. Yeah, then I wasn't either. Okay, because <laughs> there was so, a lot of that. So you're right. That's a that's a good. It's a good point. step. It's a good step. It's, it's a, a good, good step. Point. Will it continue? I, I don't know, but I'm staying in the moment. I'm hoping. That's all I'm saying. And and. To my conservative friends, I, I want to say a few words. Uh, again, I, as you've heard me say in the show, I come from a family of Republicans, and there's some things that I just it just doesn't make any sense anymore. We're looking at health care, and people like Merce, Lisa Murkowski, listen to them. She's a Republican. I know you won't listen to Democrats because they're the enemy and they're evil and all that sort of thing, and that's that's something that you got to work out, and that's something progressive Democrats have got to work out sometimes too. They see their enemy as other Democrats who are corporate Democrats and 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 condemn them to their words being lies before even giving them a chance. So we're all doing a little bit of it. I'm not poking to one thing. But <laughs> Obamacare, you've got to remember the context. Obamacare was Romney care. Absolutely. This came out of conservative think tanks. When, when I was around, my Republican family were like, well, there you go. That's that's how it's done. If you wanted a privatized, basically, you know, if you didn't want to do socialized medicine, the only thing that could work was basically Romney care, which had all these nice controls on it so that it would still be profitable uh, to the insurance companies. Well, profitable to the insurance company, but also still provide the care like pre-existing conditions and lifetime limits and all these sorts of things so that you could actually get care. So you could demand the care first. And of course, Romney care was very successful, but it was in Massachusetts. So it's automatically a bad thing, right? Taxachusetts. Right. And, and I'm asking my conservative friends to look at that because the other thing that was done, you know, they're going to hear a lot of rhetoric. And you heard a lot last in the 24 hours about how Obamacare is is, is just terrible. And, the, and the, this, the markets, the single markets are terrible. Well, you've got to look inward, my conservative friends, and know that in the red states, they really did sabotage Romney care, which is Obamacare. Yes. They sabotaged it. Yes. And you know, I said to myself, my family's Republican family would have said at that time, they would have said, you know, I don't like the way this law works. I don't like the way this is being done and I'll fight to replace it. But in in the meantime, I'm not going to deprive the good people of my state from a billion dollars in health care funds. 
Yeah, and they well, did that. In Texas, $1.1 billion in health care funds was deprived the people of the state of Texas because they just didn't want to accept anything that had a Democratic stink on it, and it, and it was Romneycare in the first place. And I've, they had their future ahead of them. They wanted to demonstrate that it was a failure. This is, this is where... You know, this is the equivalent of if Jeff Hendrick has a moving company and I have a moving company and Jeff Hendricks has had his moving company for 20 years. Everybody knows his moving company. They love it. And I start saying, well, you know, uh, Hendricks trucks break down all the time. That's a lie. His trucks don't break down. He's got 20 year history. Really good. And I keep putting out there. His trucks break down. His trucks break down. Then... After I put that lie out there, I then sneak in at midnight into his truck yard and I put sugar in his truck's gas tanks. And now his truck starts breaking down. And so I have now made that lie a reality. And everybody starts saying, you know what? His trucks break down uh, all the time. And that is that was the strategy of the Republicans when, you know, the ACA came out. Yeah. And and defunding it uh, was is the equivalent of putting the sugar in the gas tank, yep. so that you Great guys analogy. could be like, see, it didn't, didn't work. work. Right, and it, and that started from day one when Mitch McConnell and his little twenty cohorts met in that restaurant in D.C. And Our said, number one priority is to you know make a Obama a one term president. That's pretty. Good. That's a pretty good Mitch. That Jeff. is a really good, <laughs> very good Mitch. Uh, Right, and so here you have one one senior senator from Kentucky looking at the entire nation and flipping them off, yeah. saying, you know what, it doesn't matter you put this man in the White House, I'm going to take him out because I don't like him because his skin is darker than mine. And that's the only tangible reason I can think of. That or he has a D after his name, <laughs> or both. So I tell both. my conservative friends, if... This is your this is really if you want this to be a hybrid system of private and government where there's still an insurance company in the mix, this is your last chance <laughs> because this will fall of its last economic weight. And 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 to my conservative friends who say, "Oh, it doesn't work, it doesn't work." Name me a business in the world that isn't constantly evolving its business model. You know, this is the one thing, I, when, you, when you roll out something in government, it's got to be perfect on the first day. But when you roll something out in business, oh, that's okay. We're working on it. We're adjusting it. We're tweaking it. How many, how many, how many rockets did SpaceX lose in the beginning? Yes. And they're still and around. And a pilot, right? And, and a so pilot. Right. So, how many updates did you get from your iPhone this morning? Hello. My <laughs> God. They're updating <laughs> all the time. Right? Right. And, and I'm sitting with my uh, you know, conservative friends talking about healthcare, and and I'm like, you guys, you see this. If you can see your fiscal conservatism for the truth it is, instead of seeing it as Obamacare is automatically bad, you would see that when you put a middleman in the economic process, that being insurers in this case, when you put a middleman in the economic process, and that's okay in business, but it must have a benefit to the quality of the product and it must not inhibit the innovation or have adverse effects on the cost. If it does, it's bad business. And it's a middleman who's just taking, he's a grifter. He's taking a cut of something and providing no benefit. That's Whoa, the, that's amazing. That's the medical insurance analogy. industry, my and that's friend. that's insurance. That's insurance right And there. also, my conservative fiscal friends, of which I consider myself a fiscal conservative, you cannot complain that Obamacare adds to the deficit and then give huge tax cuts to rich people and not pay down the deficit with, that, with those 
tax cuts. I mean, if you're going to give money back to the taxpayer and increase the deficit at the cost of it, you're, you're, you're contradicting yourself. You're are, lying to yourself. Are your conservative friends one of the top 400 richest families in the United <laughs> so, States? Some of them are. Not okay. 400, but yeah. So, so the, the, the tax, the, the billion dollars that they're getting from our taxes, but that's not actually, giving out to- Erica, that's, that's a trillion. Is it a trillion? It's eight hundred eighty-six billion with a B dollars. So we're paying in those of, of taxes. Reductions in Medicaid. Of reductions in Medicaid. Yeah, but they're getting three hundred twenty-one back and whatever. There's still two hundred billion unleft marked for Mitch McConnell, which we're going to talk about. Right, but yeah. there's He's, okay. Go but ahead. there's yeah. like yeah. double-digit billions that are going to the top richest four hundred families. Yeah. So I get if your conservative friends are one of those four hundred families that their self-interest. Would uh, you know want to do away with the Affordable Health Care Act and not have any single payer because the the little bit that they're going to get back in taxes is worth it for them. Yeah. But you know, if, if you're not one of those top 400, you are paying in taxes that are then going to these top 400 families. Yeah, it's it it defies. Well, how is that conservative? <laughs> It's, it's not. not. <laughs> yeah. Jeff and I sing yeah, it. It's, it's not. It's not. Not the conservatism that makes sense to me. Because to me, I thought it meant you're trying to be as efficient as you can with every tax dollar and give back any that isn't being used. How do they that get to was, retain that, that title when we see over yeah. and over and yeah. over? That's not yeah. what their policies do. Because that's what they call themselves, Erica, and that's why we call them that as well. So coming up, I want to also say a, say a few things to my conservative, my progressive friends, and also I want to uh, give a little cautionary uh, philosophy tale to my third party friends because boy, is that one coming up a lot. What I call my third party, you know, libertarians, green party, whatever. My third party friends, because uh, I think there's some introspection that might be valuable to you as well as what Lisa Murkowski said on Planned Parenthood and what Rand Bubble, Rand Paul, is saying from the bubble inside. As a, this is Jeff's world. I don't want to know, no, no, no. This is Jeff's World, the place where social, political, popular, and unpopular culture is seen through the eyes of possibility, purpose, and punchlines. I'm Jeff Stein, along with Erica Ferriston and Jeff Hendrick, and we are, I get a little philosophical on the top end of this, because this is really what certainly the healthcare debate is about, It's what do you believe? You know, as a, a thing like that that affects the one-sixth the economy, it is it is a it is not only a a crafting of policy, it is a, it is a statement of morality. It's a statement of priorities. And, right? and to add into that, for mm. um, conservatives, budgets are a statement of values. Yes, it is. Where you put your money is a statement of your values. So, I think that should be considered when wanting to you know kick off millions of people from healthcare who pay into the system with yeah. their taxes and then give that to people who have second and third and fourth and fifth homes and yachts and just saying <laughs> and that's you- a statement of your values which that's fine if that's what you really? value but at least th- i think that's the one thing i i respect about some republicans when they're like you know what i'm rich and I'm in it for me, and I'm in it for my rich friends, and here's what I'm going to do to increase our wealth. I'm I'm kind of like okay, yeah, don't lie I to us. I hear that, like <laughs> I, you know, I com- I'm completely like not on the same side as you, but thanks for at least just you know being straightforward about it. I, I respect that. Maybe that's why I have such animus for Speaker Paul Ryan, 
is because he, <laughs> he is just still say what he's doing. Yeah, he just he gets up there and he makes this <laughs> eloquent speech about an attack on one of us is an attack on all of us. Now, granted, I guess twenty dead school kids didn't register for the speaker, but whatever. Yeah. So he makes this eloquent, heartfelt speech, and everybody goes, "Oh my God, Paul Ryan rocks!" Myself included. And then he turns around and pushes forward a bill that's going to kick twenty-two million people to the curb. Well, that hasn't happened. That was before, but he did press it before. Uh, we'll see if this moves at all. Because now, if he, if he goes back and uh, says, "Hey, what, let's then? get Democratic," you votes. know what? Then it's even more specious and ugly that he made the speech after that. Yeah, like we're going to believe you after what yeah. you just did. You just showed us your cards, and now you're going to tell us that you have a different hand. But no, that's not the way this from, works. He has a you know he came from a home with a single mom, so you know he's one of you. One of us. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I don't like care. that whole. I don't care what single mom hatched him for whatever reptilian egg he crawled out of. <laughs> He's still an inhuman scumbag that I'd want. So I'd... there's that contempt you were we were talking about. <laughs> yeah. You know what? He deserves my contempt, Jeff. He go. has done contemptible things. He is a contemptible person. Ergo, he has my contempt. So when you have contempt for people, as you know, I mean, obviously, if you have, if you're new to this show, uh, this is one of the dynamics I love about this, is because my, as you can hear, my my co-hosts are extremely passionate about uh, where they think it's going, and I wouldn't even dream of tamping down that passion. In the meantime, you know, I'm trying to figure out how do we, <laughs> you know, move it forward, and where is it really going? Because I want everyone to see if if you don't have too much of a stake. In who wins party wise, you will enjoy this so much more because it, you will see how well it is really working. This is exactly the debate we needed. Again, a quick refresher on the healthcare part, right? We had 2009, they, they pass Obamacare, and the Republicans just go completely crazy because, it, because the Democrats did it and because there was a black man do it. No matter what you want to say, that's basically part of it. And so they opposed it, and they took any lie to oppose it. Death panels, and we're all going to lose our insurance, and this and this and that. Yeah, the death panels. Where, where were they? I mean, yeah. who, who holds them accountable for just making up these bold-faced lies and pushing it well, as being propaganda? Well, now this is how the accountability happens. Okay. So now we're in this place where we are arguing for something. It was all against in 2009. And then, as you, as you guys pointed out, they did a self-fulfilling prophecy of destroying the health care bill in red states in order so it didn't even work very well. But now you've got Lisa Murkowski. You've got people showing up in Shelley Moore Caputo's, uh, Caputo's offices in West Virginia convincing her to vote against it because they're saying we need to cover pre-existing conditions. We need to cover the, the lifetime caps that, that on these things. And so it's moving forward towards it. And your contempt, if we have contempt for everyone who opposes us, it will hinder our ability to identify where we have common ground, and it will miss the certainty of where we're going. Man, again, you are projecting your better angels onto people that do not so have how- them, okay? The reason that I have contempt for Paul Ryan is because he has contempt for me. I am a person that he will kill with this health care bill. I'm one of 41,000 people that the Office of Budget Management says will die. Will die, Jeff. No, there's no coming back from die. I will be dead in the ground, and Paul Ryan will still be collecting $196,000 a year for being the Speaker of the damn house. And he'll be doing it on my grave. Yeah. So my contention to him is, why, if me is getting killed by you, me killing you, self-defense in my book. So you got 41,000 people every year that have a reason to step up and take arms against their government. 
Do you see what I'm saying? I do. It's I interesting. Do, do you, you understand you like, yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I so, feel I have the right to defend my life against somebody who's trying to take it. And right now, Paul Ryan and a good chunk of the Republicans are attempting to kill me. So There's what, no two ways about that. They're looking to kill me dead. So, uh, and because you're, of course, on Medicaid or the California version of it. You're, you're I, I have Molina Healthcare, right. which, which I is, got which through is, the exchange. So right. I'm one of those horrible moocher takers sucking up the resources. You know, never mind that, you know, Verizon, AT&T, GE, Boeing, Raytheon, sure. they don't pay any tax, sure. federal taxes like I do, but I'm the taker. So, got it. So I hear from my conservative friends. Give him a chance, you know, with like Donald Who? Trump or give Donald Trump. Yeah, give Donald Trump a chance. What would your that conservative friend say to Jeff saying. Hendrick right now? Well, this is why I bring give, this up. Give him a chance. You're, I mean, you know. Well, they still they would argue that there's no health, that nothing's been passed, and I and I tend to think that. But y'all are working hard on yeah, passing yeah. it. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> in fact, I almost feel like we need to lighten it up, uh, <laughs> it, it, because the GOP. I mean, they're. <laughs> Okay, we got to back up. We got to take it down a second. Um, it, it's it's very clear where it's all going. Healthcare is going to expand. There may be a dip. It's like the stock market. We might have you have crashes, you have rallies, but at the end of the period, it's going to be better because it is clear in the electorate. And Jeff Hendrick's story per, very you know appropriately points that out. This is now life or death. This is if you're not for. Covering people with pre-existing conditions. They don't care. You will be trodden asunder. Will they, they be trodden asunder? do not care. But These are like the Lisa same Mikur- people Mikowski that start wars up. for profit, Jeff. <laughs> They're the same people that would send your son to die in Syria if it made them another penny on their shares. Don't ever think anything different of this crew. They're not you. They are not old school Republicans. They are not Eisenhower Republicans. These are the new Ayn Rand. I got mine. How can I screw you out of yours? Republicans. And that's why we have to, you know, they have to f- discover that from within. And that's why I get encouraged by no, the Lisa dude, Murkowski's and the dude. Susan Collins's and the stuff they're saying, no, we're not going to go off this cliff with Shame the Republicans. requires self-awareness. And they, yeah, it does. They, and they're, got they may not. No. They may. And there's going to be a good chunk of this this, this country that's going to go to their grave uh, just pissing and moaning and never ever coming around and thinking they're absolutely right. And, and that's cool. I mean, I can't do anything about that. But what I can do is look at where it's headed, and where it is headed is towards expansion. It's go, there, there's going to be more health care at the end of this because it is clear that the American electorate is not going to sit down and let them throw 21 million people off the rolls. Yeah, well, actually, what, we I, did, Jeff. We sat I, down. We sat down during the election last November, and 41 percent of the registered electorate were so disgusted by both candidates that they blew it off. So don't tell me that the American electorate is going to do anything because we are uninspired. We are uninspired because we have crap candidates. So I'm, I'm worried that we're kind of stuck in this place until people who we actually believe in actually start running. And they are start running. We just spent a weekend with Heidi Harmon, mayor of San Luis Obispo, who was somebody who was inspired by the Bernie wave and stepped up and won and did something Great. about it. Great. Jonathan Tassini, if you're listening, run, baby, run. Yeah. Um, but... For me, there's such a huge elephant in the room, and we don't have to talk about faraway places such as Washington, D.C. Right here in California, yep. this is happening, and it's not the Republicans standing in our way. No, it isn't. And and and, and 
how much time do we have? Because <laughs> I want to read you a really touching letter. And it's and and I hear you say don't have contempt for those blocking it, but Hendrick, let's put this in real time right now. Yeah. Doesn't matter what Trump and the Republicans can do. No. If this if Senate Bill 562 passes, do you understand that you would be taken care of? Yes, I understand so, that. This is the, so, the version of universal health care in California, Senate Bill 562, which is now languishing in the Assembly because Assembly Speaker Rendon has Rendon been stopped. Has stopped. It has been it. cock-blocked in the Assembly. <laughs> By one man. Because Anthony Rendon had solely had the power to take it out and put it on the shelf instead of allowing it to go. And his reasoning is this. He says, well, there's no financing attached to the bill. Here's the political catch-22 BS he's selling you on. Uh, you, There is an 88-page study from UMass Economist uh, that has all the financing and how it would work. And it cannot be attached to the bill unless the bill is amended. But the bill cannot be amended if it's on the shelf. So if it goes to the Senate Health Committee, that's where they can amend the bill to attach the financing. He's stopping it before that's even happening, but he's selling Californians on the the, the reason why he stopped it is because it doesn't have the finances attached to it. Which he didn't allow to come to fruition. Which he didn't allow to come to fruition. Nice. And 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 uh I mean I could pull up, but he and the California Democratic Party and I mean Go ahead. I, I'm not saying this like in a mean way. I'm saying push back with me, Jeff. Like I want to get into this because I, I look. The California Democratic Party has received millions of dollars from the insurance companies. Yeah. Anthony Rendon has received uh, money from the insurance company. So because I articulate that, because I say that, because I try to strategize and how can I move them to push forward, what does that make me? I, I have contempt for them no, or, no. or what? Because this is my job. But And you should. Governor Brown... From what we're hearing, you know, has told Anthony Radone, don't let this get to my desk. Eric Bauman, who's acting chair of the California, California Democratic, Democratic Party, Party, you know, he says that he's been in support of single payer for 18 years. And you'll hear all the Democrats. Wait, including, that's a lie. You'll, you'll, you'll hear all the Democrats, <laughs> including Anthony Rendon right now, say that they support single payer. But here's what I want to say. If you don't support Senate Bill 562, you don't support single payer. Because y'all passed it in 2006 and in 2008 when Governor Schwarzenegger vetoed it twice. And that single-payer bill was not even as thorough as this one. But here's... You just made my point. Yeah, there, there are, this new one is right, way more but, thorough than right. the previous one. And there ones. you're seeing the very same Democrats yep. who supported it, knowing it would be vetoed, are now stopping it and not even... To go through the uh, Assembly Health Committee, that's a transparent, truly democratic process. Hey, show me where we're wrong on the financing. Right. We're open to it. We're not trying to hide anything. But yeah. but you are that's taking off the shelf. Win. So I'm going to read this letter. Well, you know what, Jeff? I, I'm actually pretty emotional about this. I know. It's great. Keep going. Because I don't know how to get it off the shelf. And I know that two-thirds of Californians want Senate Bill 562 to pass. 
Two thirds of Californians. And it feels insurmountable right now. I don't know what else to do. We've rallied, we've called, we've, I mean, I really don't. And maybe there are, you know, I'm going to reach out to other people, but who can tell us, you know, what is our next move? I don't, that this man has the power and I, you take I have appealed to his better angels. I have called on him. So, okay, you've taken money from the insurance companies. Make amends for it right now. Have the courage to stand up against the internal political pressures you're facing. Have the courage to say, all right, I took this money, but you know what? This is a vote for the people. Do you know how how many two-thirds of anything is? Yeah. That's That's a lot of people. Do something for the people. So here's this bill, or here's this letter. It says, Dear Governor Brown, I have campaigned for you in every election. I did so because I believe that you would work on behalf of the people of California. Californians need your help now. My wife has a terminal illness. She requires frequent doctor visits and expensive medication in order to stay out of the hospital. As she is not yet 65, she stands to lose all health coverage. If our Republican Congress wins their war against the nation's health, so the political is now personal. I, too, have been diagnosed with a precursor for a very bad cancer. My elderly mother is likely to be soon placed in a nursing facility. So many other Californians are in similar or even worse positions. Our lives hang in the balance, and Congress does not care. Governor Brown, we need your help to bring Senate Bill 562, Healthy California, to the Assembly floor. The bill may not yet be perfect, but it cannot be improved if it remains shelved, as you asked Speaker Rendon to do. This bill, according to the already completed financial study, will save the state billions of dollars. The economic impact, though, does not stop there. Without access to health care, more people will be forced to rely on emergency rooms for treatment. Listen up, conservatives. Businesses who currently contribute to their employees' insurance will no longer be able to afford to do so. They will suffer from decreased productivity because of declining employee health. This will result in layoffs, decreased purchasing power. Corporatists, you hear that? Decreased purchasing power and reduced revenue to the state. Hospitals, clinics, psychiatric facilities, and adjunct health providers will be faced with laying off staff or closing their doors if people cannot afford their services. In short, it could potentially tank the entire economy of the state. I'm almost done. Mm. This is a matter of deciding whether you care more about the very short-term interests of insurance and pharmaceutical corporations or the lives of the people of California and the overall health of the state. We need your help. This is not hyperbole. There is, make no mistake, a war on the people of California, by extension, the rest of the nation, who are looking to us to lead the way, need you to stand up for our very lives. Which side you take now will ultimately be your legacy as governor. Please side with the people, not the corporations. Respectfully, Mark A. Hirschfeld. What more do I have to say? You said it. That's how it moves. That's how democracy happens. You just illustrated the point. That's where the people are, and the people will move it. And these Rendones and Jerry Browns will be temporary moments in history it's, and it's, obstructions, it and they're time, scared. Yeah, and it's time to primary Every single representative and senator you know, who doesn't do what you want them to yeah. do, get them out of office. 
I agree with that. And I think what's really hard right now as a delegate who's in this fight, and aside from all the people who face, you know, these realities right now, this is, you know, this is not somebody else. This is them. But when I see, you know, um, and I really appreciate Senator Ben Allen and so much that he's done, but I saw him at our town hall you know, try to defend Anthony Rendon's actions and and spout back the, you know, well, this costs us $400 billion. That is a disingenuous figure. Right now, the state of California is paying $380 billion. And we, you know, have however double-digit millions still uninsured, underassured, people who can't pay their co-pays. So, that's a disingenuous figure when you hear it. it. And so when I when I hear that, when I, you know, saw Eric Bauman before Anthony Rendon, uh, you know, stop this when he brought up there's a problem with the financing. You know, I thought, oh, we have a problem here. It's it's not just Rendon and it's not just Brown. Yep. It's it's a lot of them. And again, I, I, I'm just we'll keep moving forward. But right now, I'm not quite sure how to. I I feel like we're up against this one person who has the power. Um, Has anyone thought about filing a class action suit against? (laughs) I'm dead serious, Red Doom. Because that's an interesting idea. Because what he is doing. In fact, I don't know if you know this. The UN has declared the Republican health plan uh, a a humanitarian crisis, a human rights violation. (laughs) I kid you not. Yeah. Because it would be so cruel. So coming up, I want to answer this. I want to talk more about this. This is exactly the crux of what's happening nationally as well as locally. We have the great benefit of it happening happening on a much better place on the football field than it's happening nationally. But it is still happening and it is still moving. And I want to talk about the gratitude behind it as well as answer some of those. This is Jeff's World, the place where social, political, popular, and unpopular culture is seen through the eyes of possibility, purpose, and punchline. Time goes by. And I've been holding everything inside I believe in you The bill is essentially a giant tax cut for the wealthy paid for with Medicaid cuts. And not only that, today the Congressional Budget Office issued a stunning new report projecting that Senate Republicans' health care bill would leave 22 million more Americans uninsured over a decade. And I think I'm starting to see a pattern here because if you recall, the first version of the House health care bill was projected to leave 24 million uninsured. The second version of the House bill left 23 million uninsured. And now this Senate bill leaves 22 million uninsured. So basically, Republicans are just 21 drafts away from breaking even. (laughs) Republicans take more missed shots than Shaquille O'Neal. Now, all of that may be why Trump himself privately called the bill mean in a closed-door meeting with Republican senators, despite praising the bill in public. Until now, the White House has not publicly confirmed that Trump ever called the bill mean. And GOP leaders have insisted that Trump's comments must have been misinterpreted. So naturally, when former President Obama called the bill mean in a statement last week, Trump could not help but take credit himself. He said, your bill, Mr. President, not a health care bill. It's a massive transfer of wealth. It's going to harm Americans. It's mean. What do you say to the former president? Well, he actually used my that. term, mean. That was my term. <laughs> you dummy. It's like... You're not supposed to admit to that. <sighs> Obama trolled you. You're so easy. Yeah. That's Seth Meyers, of course. I'm God. Jeff Stein, uh, along with Eric Ferris and Jeff Hendrick. It, it, it is mean. And, and this is why I get encouraged, because it's mean. 
And Dude, mean, the pain mean, has to increase for people to realize it, mean, right? Mean don't begin to cover it, man. No, it isn't. I know mean isn't nearly mean, mean enough of a exactly. word. It's outright cruel. It's, it's humanitarian ho- crisis. It, well, it's homicidal. Is I love what is. Patrick Murphy said, that it's like a, a, a rotting fish. The more you leave it out, the more it stinks, the more people hate it, and the more people want to get rid of it. <laughs> and that was the soundbite of the last 24 hours because it is exactly that. And what you heard Erica Ferriston say is going on in California, and I want you to hear it. And I want to. I would like to direct your attention to a few of the emotions underneath that. One, the gratitude. If you had any idea, Eric and I had the pleasure. Eric and I had the pleasure of working with a progressive caucus recently. Uh, we do our possibility politics thing where we work with groups and try to remind them, you know, what's the, the to be more purpose driven, uh, you know, in their lives. And it, the first thing I'm reminded of is how many folks like Erica are working all the time to respond to the different pressures that people like Rendon are under and to say, no, this is the direction you need to walk. This is where we are all going. And we are going to either shame you or demonstrate to you that this is the path because having more people insured. Now, I have a yes, question. I, have, I, have, I think you'll like this, Erica. Mm-hmm. Um, when it passes... Because I think you're right, Jeff, and I, I think despite some his, form or another, whether yeah, here or nationally, right. it will happen. It will happen. Uh, I would invite every Republican who doesn't like it to opt out. <laughs> right? Seriously, you don't That's like a this? Great idea. If you <laughs> think there this will is that still bad, be private insurance, sure, supplemental yeah. insurance. Yeah, if you want to go buy private it, insurance, you can totally spend it. And ironically, it will get cheaper. If there's a single-payer system in oh, just to. one state, has private to. insurance will get cheaper because they will have to compete. They will have to compete. And the only way they can compete is to offer better rates. And that's going to push it down their profit, of course, to almost nothing. But that's the way it goes. you know. So it, it, is, it is moving, and it is beautiful to watch. But it is very emotional, and it is very angering. And sometimes I think we lose a little context of where we are. Uh, Rendon, why are these guys doing it? Why is Jerry Brown scared? Oh, I have because they know that. Uh, no, you know, no, no, what? no. There are four hundred seventy-eight thousand reasons why Rendon did what he did. Yeah, he's gotten money Every already. Single dollar. Now, aside from already getting money from these industries, right? They also know having what was the prop that they that Eric Bauman secretly, uh, you know, shot to sixty-one, the one that was going to yeah, attach uh, the VA costs to our costs, right, Correct. in Medicare. Okay, that bill had. Tens of millions, I mean, that proposition had tens of millions of dollars thrown at it. And now I'm not giving an excuse for Rendon or Jerry Brown or anybody else, but they know that as soon as they come on the side of single payer, they are, will be under a mountain of money from the other side, from the insurance industry, so because we, they will be fighting for their lives as well. Even though it's a different kind of life, we're talking about real human life with Jeff Hendrick and such, but they will, they will dump money. And that's no excuse for them not to oppose it. I mean to 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 support single payer, but no. I mean, Erica and people like Erica are busting their butt to demonstrate to these folks that not only will we shame you if you keep walking down this path, we'll but your, we will demonstrate. We'll take your job away. Yes, we will talk, and we will demonstrate to you that your constituents will actually support you if you choose this path. Right. That you that a majority of two thirds or more and growing, two thirds and growing, is behind this, and that is our job. Democracy is a participation sport, and I'm not going to argue with whether or not Rendon is a weasel. That may or may not be true, as well as Paul Ryan. But we're going to make them be good? 
because we're going to keep showing them the path to good or we're going to primary them and eliminate them. And it's not out of a threat. Eric and I had a great conversation about that. We're not interested in threatening you. We will say to you, hey, we're going to demonstrate to you that you will still survive an election if you choose this path. And if you still oppose it, then, yeah, we're going to find somebody who will walk the path. Well, because he's putting us in no choice. Right? We have something to move forward. Yeah. We're hoping to move it forward with you. But if you continue to reject us, we have to find another strategy. That is simply yeah. another neutral strategy for us yes. to get, you know, our mission accomplished. Yeah. I do. So Dr. Paul Song, he's an mm-hmm. oncologist here in California. Um, he just sent me a message with facts and figures. I don't know if now is the time, the place, but I can sure. give you hard facts and Go figures. Okay. So he so he says... Californians are already paying. So you'll you'll hear this is going to cost us four hundred billion dollars. How can we pay for that? So this is what Paul Song uh, just texted me. Californians are already paying three hundred and sixty-eight billion dollars a year. The worst case scenario, it is the worst case scenario that Senate Bill five sixty-two will cost four hundred billion. So we're going with worst case scenario. A whole thirty-two billion more. (laughs) Not even ten percent. Current Increase. annual government spending on health care is roughly two hundred billion, while employers spend one hundred to one hundred and fifty billion towards covering their employees. Yeah. Without any mention of what individuals currently pay for premiums, copays, deductibles, and prescription drugs, the additional required total new spending to get from three hundred and sixty eight to four hundred billion would therefore be um, 50 to 100 billion per year. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, under the worst case scenario, this would be between 106 and $212 per month per Californian in additional taxes. Wow. That's just, uh, that's the worst <laughs> right. case scenario. But think about, let's say, Hendrick, you're paying, let's, I'm going to give you the worst number. Let's say you're paying, $212 per month in taxes for this health care, what, what you're not paying in co-pays, deductibles, premiums, premiums it's still less money out Absolutely. of your pocket than now. Now, let me just finish. Um, he says, I got the 106 to 212 by dividing 50 uh, to 100 billion by the population of California right. and then divided by 12 months. I used a population of 40 million. The UMass study, which I told you, the sure. University of Massachusetts Economist, suggests that Senate Bill 562 will cost less than 400 yeah. billion at 331 billion. Wait a second. That's a savings of 50 billion dollars. Right. So taxpayers <laughs> would need to then come up with zero dollars to the 80 billion instead of 50 to 100 billion. So those are worst case scenario numbers yeah. and that's how we that's how we do it on our side. We give you the worst case scenario. We're not trying to pull the wool over your eyes. Yeah. Worst case and best case. Yeah. I'll tell you exactly how much uh, this is costing me. I got a letter, I got a bill for one chemotherapy infusion with two different chemicals. Now for some reason this bill got sent to me instead of my insurance company. One treatment, $3,400. Yeah. Okay? 
Now, How I many don't, treatments do you and need? That's cheap by cancer patients. That's cheap. cheap by that's cheap by cancer patients. standards. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. According to them, I'm going to need six. So that's yeah. There's twenty, 20 there's, something thousand there's dollars. Twenty-four grand right there yeah, that I should have to come up with. Uh, Even yeah. a non-cancer example. I was talking with a friend. SIBO. It, it's it's uh, something like a lot of Americans have. It's like too much bacteria in the gut, and it creates all these GI issues. If you're diagnosed with SIBO, there's a antibiotic. It's not a it's not an ch- traditional antibiotic that we normally think of. It's there's there's something special about this antibiotic. Um, that can treat this type of bacteria, $2,000 for a, a prescription. For a prescription. $2,000, and chances are you got to take, you got to get about four rounds of the antibiotic. And by the way, the new Republican health care bill just eliminated, was intending, or at least would intend to eliminate the price controls on those sorts of things. So those things, those numbers won't even be close to where they will go because they'll just go what crazy did, with it. So, did, did Martin Shkreli write this? Yeah, I know exactly. Write this I know, bill? Right? Who did the EpiPen thing? Uh, so, Weasel face <laughs> douche nozzle. So uh, again, uh, just to recap real fast, um, to my progressive friends, be grateful for the folks like Erica that are doing this and think and show your gratitude by calling your assembly person, you're calling your state senator and telling them that you do support it, that it is real, that the constituents, that, that two-thirds supporting it is a real number and that you're willing to vote on that single issue yeah. if that is the case. And tell them the $400 billion is not a real number. To my conservative friends, yeah. I want you to go back to the old school conservatism, the fiscal conservatism that I know and appreciate, which is do the math. It doesn't make any sense. This is the only path that makes any sense. Insurance is a middleman that provides no benefit to the cost or to the quality. The only thing that makes any sense is for it to be administered. Yes, there will still be private innovation amongst doctors, amongst hospitals, hospitals, amongst medications. Everything will be private and competition will generate the innovation there. But an insurer is a grifter. In this scenario, insurance has many pl- functions in many places, auto insurance, etc. But this doesn't make any sense here. And then thirdly, to my third party friends, okay, I got to call you out for a second because you all are trying. This one has been, I've been having some Facebook documents, so this is a little bit of angry Jeff here. But you are try- all are trying to have it both ways. You want to identify and blame the perpetrators without having to defend a philosophy or a party. And I'm kind of tired of that. All the anger, none of the responsibility to be part of any movement. To me, if you're choosing a third way, it'd be wise to make that about the light, about what you're trying to do, about your intentions, not calling out darkness on each side and then saying, it's not my fault. No, so. that's, that's, you're a troll now. You're not a political <laughs> operative. You're just another internet troll. Yeah. Sad, sad, sad. Have yeah. another box of Twinkies and hang out in your mom's basement, loser. So uh, <laughs> coming up, I want to keep playing with this because I want to show also some like people like Lisa Marskowski. She made some comments on Planned Parenthood, which were history-making, as well as looking at Rand Paul and that folks and where they're going so you have an understanding of where their bubble is. Mm. Uh, <laughs> this is the place where optimism and patriotism <laughs> hits the fan. I'm Jeff Stein, along with Eric Barristan and Jeff Hendrick. This is Jeff's World. This is Jeff's World, the place where we look at this great experiment called America and hopefully leave it better than we found it. I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Ferriston and Jeff Hendrick talking about the very <laughs> dull and boring topic of health care. <laughs> oh, my God. Nothing has affected us so much. In, in, we've had a lot of debates in politics, but this one is one of the most impactful ever. Because everybody knows somebody or yeah. is very close to somebody who is 
who is suffering from health care and with that financial issues. There was a nurse who spoke um, at our Palisades Dem Club town hall, and she has a, a girlfriend who's in her 40s, and she's beaten cancer three times now. Jeez. And 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 she's uh, refinanced her house twice. And she has said to her friend, I don't know if I can do it again. I, she said, yes, I could lose the house and sleep on a friend's couch because I have many friends willing to give me their couch. But I don't know if I can just, can you imagine that? And and it's the finance. It's I mean, cancer already is stressful, but the financial. Yeah. And she's she has thoughts. Maybe it's just better if I die. I know that's that's where we are, and that's why. And again, that's a horrible story. But when you love and live in politics, you do come to know that it's that old adage. I just say before, either the pain gets stronger, the lesson gets comes back harder, or you learn it. And there's a great uh, saying about insurance companies and mm. their process: delay, deny, and hope they die. Right. And here's yeah. the thing: the lovely thing about the current health care bill is that Congress has exempted themselves, their families, and their <laughs> yeah. staff from it. Well, it doesn't matter. They're getting such massive tax cuts, they could use the extra money to fund anything they wanted anyway. Oh, right? no. They get the ACA. Yeah. yeah. We don't. They do. Yeah. So, again, this is something that's being done to the American people and not for the so, American people. So let me get to some, again, I want, I want some more good news on this, the movement, uh, not just Lisa Murkowski, who uh, I will come back to in a second, but... I keep mentioning David Jolly and because and, I'm impressed with him. And if you haven't noticed, if you're an MSNBC fan, by the way, uh, I've had a funny, my progressive friends are like, there's too many damn conservatives on here. And I'm sitting there going, oh my God, this is so great. This is like a, getting to be one of those really serious debate channels where they're getting a, a, a swath of perspectives and going somewhere. And here's a case in point. Uh, David Jolly was on there and had a moment that made the news where he was talking about just what Erica and, and Jeff just illustrated there. Obamacare did raise taxes on the wealthy, and this bill rolls it back. But it wasn't just the wealthy that lost their doctors and their plans. Listen, I'm a tale of two patients. Uh, prior to Congress, I lost my doctor. I lost my plan under Obamacare, and it was part by subsidizing those who needed additional coverage. But, Lawrence, I'm going to share something with you and the American people tonight that most people probably don't know. Here's the other patient that David Jolly is. On January 4th, I was a former member of Congress, unemployed with no health insurance and a pre-existing condition. And while I ultimately chose a private sector plan, I also knew in 2017 Obamacare provided an exchange that was a safety net that wasn't there before. And to be honest with you, if I had had to rely on it, I knew it was there. And that's why the politics of Obamacare in 2017 are different than 2013. I lost my doctor and I lost my plan in 2013 and I was angry about Obamacare and I ran for Congress. But in 2017, as an unemployed person with a pre-existing condition, I knew Obamacare was there as a safety net if my wife and I needed it. And that So it only it counts when it actually affects you. Yes. Got it. That's how politics work. Got it. That's okay, yeah, because you can't pull your head out of your ass long enough to look at your constituents who might benefit from this bill. No, Mr. Jolly, until it affects you, it doesn't affect anyone. Got it. Now, 
obviously, what, Jeff, what do you want? What do you want me to Jeff say? And I took that two totally different ways. What, what do you want me to say? That is exactly what I heard from that man. No, I know. Until but I, it affected me, it didn't matter. But I, 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 I appeal to you, Jeff Hendrick, to consider just a slightly more optimistic express, uh, uh, perspective and say yes. It is the the downside is is why wasn't he there in the first place? But the good side is he's here now, and yeah, well, he had the personal experience that is often required. Eric will tell you more than anybody. Everybody it has to get personal before it moves. I definitely see both takes to this because you know I, I all of us here in this room at least we are not people who have to be taken ill or be struck by a bullet or to have lost our being financially destitute to want to you know support the common good of all of our brothers and sisters so but I guess there are people who you know don't have that ability uh, and unless it affects unless they are personally struck with the illness or shot by the gun or whatever, then they don't get on board. However, it could be worse with that person having those personal experiences and still not getting on board. And I will say with them having that personal experience and getting on board, being able to, to tell that personal story, it will hopefully persuade others who have been reluctant to get on board. So I definitely see both Ways of taking that I, that clip. Fine. Then if David Jolly's truly on board, I want him to be the loudest mf'er on the boat. He has boat. been on MSNBC. He's been <laughs> a regular. They brought him on a lot for that purpose, obviously. And about five or six other rep- sitting Republican Congress people, congressmen, who have been very vocal, saying we've got to improve this. There right. is no oh, like like Seth Meyers jokes. We're down to twenty-one million uninsured. Next we'll do twenty, and then nineteen. It's like no. It's got to be a positive territory. There has to be more uh, insured. The premiums have to be predicted to be lower. And by the way, let me take a moment. The CBO director is a man named Keith Hall. Now, most people don't know who cares who the CBO director is, right? When he was put in that position, the Democrats freaked out because this guy has a long record of hating Obamacare. He is this close to Tom Price in terms of giving lectures, giving op-eds, saying Obamacare is terrible, terrible, terrible. And he still... Running the CBO, being a PhD in economics from Purdue, had to admit, because the numbers were the numbers, that this was a disaster. And not only does there... That what was a disaster? That this new health care law that they just put through a bill. The Republican. The Republican one is... the Sorry, thank you for clarifying. was a disaster. Right. was a disaster. Because not only... Just to give a couple of fun facts, not only is it going to 21 million uninsured, right? It also... They were talking about... They predict deductibles in the $10,000 range. So yes, you will still have coverage, but your deductible is $10,000. So the only one thing it's good for is if you get cancer. And you got to... And that includes people who make less than $30,000 a year. If you make less than $30,000 and your deductible is $10,000, you're not going to buy the insurance it has no use for you because you can't meet the deductible anyway so let me tell you how the republicans are getting around this problem oh yeah seth meyers has hold two, two oh, seconds yeah. here's seth meyers meanwhile answer. we found out today that the gop health care bill could leave 22 million people uninsured which may be why republicans are trying a new tactic to defend it lying <laughs> so it's probably about what you're about to say but lying so what you're gonna say <laughs> Well, it's a it's a little bit more no strategized more than that. <laughs> so part of the reason why this recess has been called, um, I, I think 
what their strategy is that they're going to use is they're going to push it out past 10 years. So, for example, it's actually Reagan who raised the uh, retirement age from 65 right. to to 67. He pushed it out 30 years. So we're about to hit that now where in order to get, you know, Medicare, instead of being 65, you're going to have to be 67. So I think, but so when that happens, they're not going to be like upset at Reagan because he's the one who put it in place. And we've, political geeks have seen this. But so that's one of the things that we think Mitch McConnell is going to do. He's going to push it out 10 years from now so that when these things take effect, uh, you know, they can... They've forgotten who did it. They've forgotten who did it. <laughs> and meanwhile, yeah. they are going to take their Koch brothers' money and, you know, just blast the advertisements. Um, uh, yeah, I'm trying to just, uh, just make bombard. Make it sound positive. Yeah. And that's, that's where the lying will come in. And by the way, that... If I may interrupt, yeah. yeah, that's what happened after you know. Because there's the first one of the first Republican senators to come out was Dean Heller from Nevada. Thank you for. I was just about to go there, so keep keep going. Yeah, so he came out. He came out obviously, rightfully so. He's in jeopardy in Nevada anyway. First of all, Nevada is going very blue lately. They they have a lot of priority on health care and labor rights. It's a big state for that right now. And Dean Heller's obviously seeing the writing on the wall. Either I support movement forward in these areas, or I'm done, uh, you know, electorally. And he's up in 2018, so he knows this is an issue, right? So uh, he said right off the bat, "I can't support rightfully a health care law that makes the problem worse." So Trump and Pence, their super PAC, immediately started running ads against him. Now they stopped quickly because. All, even the fellow Republicans said, this is stupid, you're attacking him. Here's a little piece, you can get a taste here. Senator Heller has made his opposition clear that it's unacceptable to us and the millions of Americans suffering under Obamacare. Suffering Heller under Obamacare. is now standing with Pelosi. Unacceptable. <laughs> if you're opposed to this bill, we are opposed to you. So that's pure tribalism, as you can hear. Pure tribalism. Do you know how much money Trump and Pence uh, put into this ad to take Heller out? I don't know. They, I thought they halted. A million Jeez. dollars. Jeez. A million dollars. Wow. That's tribalism, y'all. That wow. if you don't follow the the rules. Gosh, a million dollars. I, I wonder what else they could have spent that on, Erica. Yeah. There's a- Gee, how can they afford that? I don't know. Where do they get the money for that? I and don't then, know. So the Senate, and we already covered, right? The Senate GOP healthcare bill is estimated to kill twenty eight thousand six hundred more in the U.S. each year and drop twenty two million from insurance. Yeah. Uh, plus, those, who's who's supporting that again? And even even and even Kaiser analyzed it on an independent analysis and said that it, premiums would go up about seventy five percent on average for those who could still actually have health care. And then, the, of course, they predicted the death spiral that the Republicans are. Of they course, so, you know, don't they don't care. care. But no, what I think they're going to do is they're going to push it yet. out ten years yeah, and, and and put like you know that ad was filled with lies, and that's what they're going to do. They're going to flood the airways, the newspapers. They're going to hire the talking heads on 
I hate you. hire Jason Chavis. All of it. Jason Chavis just got hired to be a Fox contributor. He starts July 1st. So now we know what Jason Chavis is doing. Utah congressman who, uh, remember, famously said, I'm sorry, people don't remember the names necessarily, but he's the one who famously said that I cannot look my my daughters and wife in in the face and vote for Donald Trump. And then, of course, did. So. He also was the idiot who said, well, you know, you can afford health insurance if you just stop buying those fancy iPhones. iPhones that's right. He's and also the greasy little crap weasel who just demanded $2,500 a month for every member of Congress as a housing stipend. Yeah. Yes. You knew? Did you know about that? The, uh, yes, I do. So Hendrick just informed me this morning about it. I didn't hear. I saw that. a comment that said, "I guess it's only called welfare if you're black." A housing stipend. Yeah, a housing stipend. Yep. After he told people who couldn't afford insurance, well, maybe you shouldn't buy an iPhone. Yeah. As if health insurance was that cheap. Yeah, yeah. yeah, if it, yeah are you kidding me? If it was, if it was fifty bucks a month, six hundred bucks. Yeah, I'd be all over that in, in a heartbeat. I'm not paying that. Hey, worst case scenario, two hundred and twelve a month. Now, another thing, you've, you've heard them say that Planned Parenthood was defunded as part of this health care uh, bill that's not going anywhere. That's another one that's been banning around. But listen, this is Lisa Murkowski when asked about that. How big of a factor is the Planned Parenthood cuts that are in this bill for you? And is there a remedy for that? You can see people, people support greater access to health care. Planned Parenthood provides for that provides for greater access, uh, particularly uh, to uh, uh, lower income women um, for, for purposes of screening services that I think are important. When we're talking about health care reform, shouldn't it be about increasing access or reducing costs? Because I'm talking to Alaska. That's what they're that's what they're telling me is important. Yeah. And and see, there it is again. That's a Republican senator. And you say, well, where has she been? She's been silenced by the other part. But now everyone's talking to her. She's all over the news. All the all the quote unquote moderates. And that's not even the right term. I would call them the sensible ones. The ones who can say that one plus one equals two. Your basic math are out there being elevated right now. And that encourages me tremendously because people are saying, well, what do you think about that? Before they never asked him because they knew that, well, Mitch McConnell is going to shove this through. So it doesn't matter. Now they're saying, well, wait a minute. They can't vote on it without you. So what's your contention? And they're saying, well, yeah, Planned Parenthood is a duh. If it provides health care, then we should expand on that, not not remove it. That simple. I'm waiting for the iron worker and uh, Iraq war vet to take Paul Ryan out in 2018. Have you seen his yes. ad? Yes. Oh gosh, if you guys haven't seen his ad, uh, have you got a, have you got the audio? I I don't have it right now. All right. Um, it's, oh man. He's it's a, like a yeah. It's a minute and forty eight second ad, but it's the real. It's his debut deal, ad, dude. This is Tell a us. real guy who said, "I'm getting in because Paul Ryan is just not helping anybody except his buds," and it's in Wisconsin, in his in eastern Wisconsin, in Paul Ryan's district. And Paul Ryan currently, by the way, there's no actual polling. There's one poll they asked about it against a generic Democrat, and he's up again, up upside down by five points against a generic uh, opposition Democrat. This guy's going to clean his clock, dude. I think it's entirely <laughs> possible or probable. But if not, like we talked with Rendon, Paul Ryan will either have to come around 
or be replaced with somebody who's with the winds. And the winds say we need more health care, not less. Well, period. along similar lines, um, there is a young woman named Paula Jean who is primarying Mansion. Oh, oh Joe nice. Mansion. And she Get that comes, blue dog out of here. Her dad was a coal miner. Her grandfather was a coal miner. Her grandfather has black lung. And similar story, she you know has gone to Mansion over and over for help with their water their water is contaminated mm. and he he is you know pro the coal mining companies but he is not given the coal miners and their families any support so just out of that pure frustration um you know she's like he's not doing anything for us so um so she's running and their slogan is Paula Jean 2018 wow you know and it's sad because mansion prior to my conservative friends losing their friends and forgetting that one plus one equals two uh, losing their minds and forgetting that one one plus one equals two Joe Manchin would have been considered a, a conservative Republican he would have been on the he other, should run for the Republican he ticket the I mean he's got a lot of Democratic values too but he also but that's the way Republicans used to be is there was this no kind of he like should switch parties or, uh, absolutely switch be Republican yeah, be who you are <laughs> so it's like if you're in the closet being gay don't <laughs> Right. Be who you are. Be the Republican you are. It's Come, okay. Go ahead and, and you know run cover for your daughter who's jacked the price of EpiPens 400%. You know, Joe, because that's the kind of guy you are. Got to mention Tim Canova in this, too. Yeah. You know, he, he ran against W. Wasserman Schultz. He's running again. But same kind of story. Um, he is a law professor that studies international business, and he was really against the TPP and, you know, tried to get an appointment with her, tried to talk with her over and over. And basically... She didn't care. No, it, it was like if he had $5,000, I guess he could get an appointment. With, but, you know, it was like for labor, for the people. She's not doing anything. And so... Again, that's what inspired him to run. Canova is a good example, by the way. Uh, a little discretion. Uh, that's one of Erica's friends. But he... Uh, no, no, I've met him once. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> don't deny your friendship with him. Anyway, no, I'm teasing. But the point is, is he does what Eric says, which is like, okay, I'm going to push against Debbie Washman Schultz to, to take a cra- attack that more represents the, her constituents and the people. And if she doesn't respond to it, then I guess I'll run. And that's kind of what's happening all over the country right now, including in Wisconsin's District of Paul Ryan. Mm-hmm. So Coming up, uh, another Republican calls out the tribalism. A little bit of self-reflection. I'm very excited about that. Plus, I I do want to play a little bit of the Rand Paul bubble so you can understand what is on the other side and tell you what's being seen on Fox News and Breitbart and all these Newsmaxes so you can understand what they're seeing. And in their bubble, (laughs) there's the bubbles again. This is Jeff's world, the place where uh, we look at this great experiment called America and just keep loving it just like she is. This is Jeff's World, the purple state of mind with the amber airwaves of grain. I'm Jeff Stein <laughs> with Eric Harrison and Jeff Hendricks. Sometimes I like camp. I like oh, camp. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> for health care laws. For, uh, so it continues, and the bubble continues, and... You know, this is our this is our great challenge, you guys, to uh, pop just, the bubble. Yeah, to look inward, to self reflect, and so there are folks like uh, a certain Republican from Ohio, the governor John Kasich, and he ran, as you recall, for a uh, Republican president, and he was you know decimated because the Trump machine was not only supported by Russia, it was supported by our uh, the lies that he told everybody that he would do, and of course he did, and so that's unfortunate. I wish he had done what he said he would. We'd be in great place. We'd have a trillion dollar infrastructure bill. We'd have health care for everybody, you know. But none of those things seem to be happening. Either way, John Kasich, give you a little clip. 
He's calling out the tribalism, and and I'll give him credit for that. This is the 21st century. This is the craziest time I've ever seen in politics. And maybe this is a signal that instead of people just confessing their loyalty to one party or the other, maybe they ought to be confessing their loyalty to the country. And look, I've been attacked all of my career. And the fact is, is that you've got to stand on your own two feet, explain how you feel about things, and be a leader. I don't think we have enough leadership. I think there are too many people that cower uh, you know, in the, in the wings because of partisanship, not just Republicans, Democrats as well. If you try to get a great number of governors, Republican or Democrat, to speak out on this, where are they? All you hear are crickets and chirping because they're, they're, they're worried about upsetting their base. That if you can't take a fastball on the inside, get out of politics. If you can't take a pitch thrown at you and you can't get out of the batter's box, quit. Don't, don't, don't whine, and I don't think Senator Heller is whining. But I also want to say that not only Heller, but Sandoval, Brian Sandoval, is a great governor. He's, his popularity is sky high in Nevada. And you know what he's saying? I'm worried about poor people. You know what? Both parties, both parties ought to be worried about poor people because I don't think either party particularly cares about helping poor people. You look at the rates of poverty. You look at the problems in this country. We have not designed a system to get people work. Everything we're talking about now, getting people healthy, giving them health care, is designed to get them to work. It's designed to give them an opportunity to have a better life. This is not some kind of a welfare system. This is a Look, if you're sick and you're hungry, you don't work. If you're healthy and you're fed, Governor. you can get a job. And we expect people to have one. Then. As John Kasich, a Republican governor of Ohio, of course, ran for president. If it came down to Kasich versus Hillary... I'm pretty sure I would have voted for John Kasich. I mean, you never know because he had to be on the comp bench. You have to let him speak, see what he actually said, and see what he actually promised. But based on the way he's been behaving between he and Hillary, I, I, I might have voted for John Kasich. Yeah, there's there's yeah, definitely sh- issues that I disagree with him about. But I remember Nina Turner because he's too socially conservative for me. Mm-hmm. But on the fiscal stuff, he cares about poverty. Yeah, I was he cares say, about equity and he cares about health care. You want John Kasich in office? I would say enjoy your theocracy. Yeah, he's, that's, that's what he's bringing. That's be the gamble for me because it's like ah, oh, he's so socially conservative. But right. then Hillary was very corporate. Da da da. We went through this whole thing. Well, but. what I was going to say is I know that when Nina Turner was a senator in Ohio and she talked about, um, you know, he would listen. Yeah. Um, and he he listen. worked with her. Um, uh, so he's not a crazy person. So whereas there's things <laughs> he's a little he's crazy. a little crazy. A little but <laughs> <laughs> OK, a little nut. But uh, anyway, anybody thought, who wants to legislate from the Bible in my book is a little crazy. But I, I really appreciated the things that he said there and particularly on. Uh, can can we have some leadership spine here? <laughs> Somewhere, anywhere. Yeah. E- even here among, I, I mean, I, I got to tell this story now. So sure. I called my assembly member, Richard Bloom, yeah. and I called him uh, last Monday. Okay. And the staffer answered and I said, hi, I'm a constituent and I'm in support of Senate Bill 562. Want to know if uh, Richard Bloom is. I'm thinking they're going to say yes. He hasn't been briefed on the bill yet, they told me. And therefore, he hasn't been able to take a position. You better take one real soon. So so then the question is, why has he not made it a priority to be briefed 
on a bill that has been through the process for nearly a year that's only the most popular bill in California. I have a guess. I, I, I'm wondering if he already knew that Rendon was going to 86 it or deep six well, it. No, I, I, fix it. He probably also knew that the governor would had no intention of signing it because they're both paid off by the insurance industry. There's a certain wisdom, it seems like, that is among the traditional political folk, which goes like, don't take a position on something unless you have to. Yeah, and it leads to yeah. a real lack of leadership. So Rendon, and that's not party specific, obviously. So then no. Radon, you know, shelves the bill. So I call after they shelve it. I mean, you could have heard the relief in this staffer's voice that the bill had been, well, it's not going to come to our desk and he doesn't have to take visit, but there's no point because it's going to be two years and da, 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 da. And so, you know, I pressed and I said, but could he brief himself on the bill to take a position to, you know, urge Rendon to unshelf it if that's, you know. Right. But again, there's no... I haven't been briefed on the bill and therefore can't take a position. No leadership there. Right. But and, and, and the reason it's like that, Erica, is there are no consequences for that action for him. Or inaction, as the case may be. Until there are. Pretty much. He wasn't primaried this last time. He wasn't Somebody primary his ass and we'll yeah. fight. Suddenly he'll have a well, position on everything. Yes. And, to, and the great thing, one of the great things about California is having the, the runoff situation, which oddly a lot of even red states have, are doing more and more, is that you don't even have to primary. If you got like like a Democrat who you don't like who's in a, who's in a diehard Democratic district, you can actually just run a better Democrat. And in the final runoff, it'll be between the two Democrats. Right. Right. And you right. can pick the one you like. So, you know, we're in a good position. I, I, and you heard the emotion of, of Erica, and it is. And I've watched it, and I've watched her with other folks working so hard, and it gets so emotional. But as I said in my analogy, in California, we have the great benefit of if this is a football field where healthcare is the end zone, we're fortunately heading into the red zone. We're getting very close. And we already have covered California, which as far as the AC implementation is one of the best in the country, especially considering the size of our country. the absolute state. benchmark of how to do it. It is the benchmark. How Problems to do it. notwithstanding, California yeah. pretty much got it right. And this is we part really of the did. reason yeah. why there's reluctance in Sacramento, too. That's a side reason compared to the influence of the insurance industry. But the other reason is they put a life, we put $376 million into building cover California, and it's and it's and it's working, generally speaking. Obviously, single payer is great, better. Great, great first step forward. Yeah, great. Needs to go beyond. Even Elizabeth Warren was out yeah. there saying... Uh, good step forward. Time to take yeah. it further. Let's go. But if you're in, say, I don't know, you know, pick a red state, Alabama, Missouri, or something, you're you're not even on the twenty yard line headed towards you know your end of the field uh, as far as healthcare. And now this and and the federal bill will have just horrible effects to you. Oh yeah, you're not, dude. You're not even on the field. Someone has yeah. changed. Someone has changed the door <laughs> to the locker room, and you are trapped inside. And somebody smells smoke. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why my frustration is so high. No doubt. Considering that um, we're in the we're red rem- zone. <laughs> no, we're reminded all we delegates are reminded all the time. You know, look at how good California is doing. We have a supermajority. We have a supermajority. We have a supermajority. So why do I have to fight so hard against the supermajority? Yeah. Well, yeah, the supermajority is congratulations. You got a supermajority. You're still the establishment. You're still the status quo. It's just that you're safe now. This should not. This should not be. This this should not be happening with no. a supermajority Democrat. Because no. I was always raised to believe that the Democrats are the party that care about poor people, about working people, and that's where I think about Kasich speak speech when he says it seems like neither party is really caring about. And I I feel like 
yeah, the people do, but but the establishment, I, I, you know, if there's something wrong that we're having to work this hard. Well, I think, again, I brought it up on numerous shows, and I'll bring it up one more time because I really like to hammer this point home. You have our quote-unquote representatives making four times what the average family of four with two working adults pulls down in this country. Yeah. You want to know why they're out of touch? That's why. <laughs> they don't suffer from any of the problems we do, unless it's health-oriented. They're not hungry. They're not freaked out about rent. They're not freaked out about, am I going to miss a car payment? Am I going to be unemployed? No, you're in a cushy little job where you make it at minimum $174,000 a year yeah. for working 102 days a year. And so, you get paid, what, was it four and a half months of paid vacation for our representatives yeah, now? Yeah, they're on vacation as of uh, tomorrow. Or as tomorrow. Of, <laughs> until August. <laughs> until August, yeah. Until so. August! Yeah. Okay, nice, that's nice six gig. weeks. When's the last time any of our listeners got six weeks paid vacation? <laughs> Phone in. We'll wait. <laughs> Phone in. <laughs> well, they might call in from Germany. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, <laughs> thank you for bringing that up. I don't know if anyone will catch this deep in the show, but if you have a question or a thought or something you wanted to stay to us or, or, or to address in the show, needless to say, we're interactive. We can either A, you know, you can take an email from us. You can send it one to even Jeff at jeffsworld.com, and it's J-E-F-F-S hyphen W-O-R-L-D.com. You can Google that to make sure you got it. Jeff at jeffsworld.com. I'll look at them. Also, Hit us on Facebook. Hit us on Twitter. Uh, we're happy to talk about it. Even so, you can even uh, hit us on those venues and say, I'd like to be on the show on the phone. Uh, and we will uh, you know, consider we'll that as well. see if we can get it done. And pull that off. And yeah. if we can schedule it, we'll do it. We obviously get want to move to the point where we're a live show where we can take them all the time. But, oh, the, yeah. but we can schedule it in the meantime until it is fully live. So coming up, I want to talk about, again, I, well, let's start. I'm going to say coming up, the bubble. Let's get into it a little bit. Okay. As my co-host can see, I've just brought up the front page of Fox News. And I always scan Fox News, Breitbart, Newsmax, the, uh, the National Review, things like this, right? And the first thing you notice, there's nothing about the health care bill. Uh, halfway down, you got a little thing about the CBO score of the Senate bill health care. What does it mean? It says the CBO score. What does it mean? And, 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 and the, headline, the headlines have been, the health care vote is, de- is delayed. And I click on the story. It doesn't mention anything about why it's delayed. It doesn't mention that seventeen only 17% of Americans approve of it. It doesn't mention that Republicans have committed mutiny uh, in the terms of the Republican ideal. I mean, the Republican party line. And the Susan... Mar- the Lisa Murkowski's and the Susan Collins's and the Dean Heller's have said, no, it has to be an improvement. They don't put it down. No. It just doesn't exist on it's the right wing propaganda. bubble. Right. And this is what the Republicans are counting on yeah. to get away with this because the people who watch and read Fox News and Breitbart, they, unlike you, in general, they're not going to other news sources. So this is oh, all no. they get. This now, tells them what they want to hear, not necessarily the news, not necessarily the facts, but this is a comforting website for them. Right. It's pretty funny because, uh, uh, to give you a little tea, I love what Seth Meyers did. Here he did something on the Comey tapes. Get a kick out of this. Now, the saga of the Comey tapes continued on Friday when Trump did an interview with state media news outlet Fox News. <laughs> Trump right? was asked in the gentlest terms possible why he would imply that he had secretly recorded the FBI director if he hadn't. And he gave the most rambling nonsensical answer I think I've ever seen on TV. Big news today. You didn't, you said you didn't take James Comey. Do you want to explain that? Why did you want him to believe that you possibly did that? Well, I didn't tape him. Uh, You never know what's happening when you see that the Obama administration and perhaps longer than that was doing all of this unmasking and uh, surveillance and you read all about it and I've been reading about it for the last couple of weeks about 
the seriousness of the and the horrible situation with surveillance all over the place and you've been hearing the word unmasking a, a word you probably never heard before so you never know what's out there but i didn't tape and i don't have any tape and i didn't tape you know what You've probably never heard now, of the word. If you unmasking. heard someone rambling like that on the subway, you'd switch cars. <laughs> right? But apparently, if Fox and Friends host Ansley Earhart heard it, she'd sit next to the rambler and say, Tell me more about how the government is genetically engineering rats to read our minds. Listen to this. Because as a follow up to Trump's nonsense answer, she very helpfully suggested that lying about the tapes was actually an effective way to make sure Comey told the truth, and Trump seemed to agree. It was a smart way to make sure he stayed honest in those hearings. Well, uh, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't very stupid, I can tell you that. Can you? That's Fox News, always asking the tough questions. Mr. President, is it difficult to play golf with your enormous penis in the way? So, this is what is going on. This is the bubble. It, and they literally just said, lying worked, huh? So if, if Obama even remotely traipsed across a misstatement, they'd assault him. But, but Trump is celebrated for lying. But here's the thing. <laughs> like, wow. That is a tacit confession. It is! To witness tampering. I know! Which is a crime. He, keeps he just went on Fox himself. News and <sighs> said, yeah, <laughs> it changed his story. I'm yes. glad I did it. He see. Oh, I'm really worried that the orange jumpsuit is going to clash with his skin so badly once he finally goes down. Oh my god! I can't figure out if Fox News is truly stupid and evil, or if they're if they're actually one of the good guys disguised, like setting him up to confess. <laughs> they're helping a lot because they stuff. are really helping the truth. To come oh. out, and it's like, is that a dead rule, or are you just really no. effing up royally here? They're, they're effing up royally. Uh, it's so yeah. weird. You Can't have him on again, Fox. Oh, man. Have Ask it. him some other questions. Make him your everyday morning guest, please. So, you don't have any... I, I mean, I, I've watched too much Fox News for Morning Trump. And, and when I... <laughs> yes. When I watch it, they, I, you make that point. I That's such a through line. I watch him in so... They contort and twist so much to make what Donald Trump is doing seem right. That's right. They keep over-incriminating him. And they get him to admit to... ah, It's amazing. So that's that part of the bubble. I want to... And that's Donald Trump. We know he's a known narcissist. He'll go to the end of the days of the narcissist. And that's the way it is. And he'll eventually get, you know, everybody in his his troop will be indicted for Russian uh, collusion. But that aside, and destruction of justice, justice, uh, but Rand Paul and Paul Ryan, the two Pauls, uh, coming up, I want to get into that. It'll probably make my co-host's head explode, but it will give us a better understanding of the bubble, I hope. This is Jeff's World. I won't lie to you. I know he's just not right for you. This is Jeff's World, where we feelize our way to a saner future. I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Ferriston and Jeff Hendrick. Loving this healthcare debate. And the reason I enjoy it so much, I really wish you'd all step back. Again, if, you do, if you're a political geek and you take out the stake in the outcome of, of your party, whatever that may be, winning and the other party losing, and you just look at it like, how are we doing? Are we moving it? Is this debate evolving? I think you will find, with just a cursory look, that it is evolving. Yes, There are those that are still in the bubble and the bubble is getting thicker for them. It is really getting thick and it makes them come up with some stuff. And, and, 
And so while Lisa Murkowski's and the Susan Collins's and the Dean Hellers and these folks that are saying, no, 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 the healthcare has to be improving the circumstance, there are those like Paul Ryan and Rand Paul. Uh, let me give you a little bit of Paul Ryan because right now, as you know, the uh, the ball is somewhat in Mitch McConnell's court. And as a little fun fact that Jeff Hendrick alluded to, he set aside in this bill a random $185 billion or $195 billion that isn't earmarked for anything. And you say, what's that for? That's for payoffs. That's so you can say, hey, Senator, Republican Senator, you don't support this? What if I send $20 billion in you know mining funds to your Kentucky town? Will you vote for it then? And so now that's very insidious and malicious, and I'm putting a really dastardly uh, perspective on them, but they might do it. And it's been done before, usually on less significant things, so it doesn't seem so egregious. Yeah. <clears throat> this would be their most egregious <laughs> use yeah. of it ever. But you want but, you want to talk about Russian influence? <laughs> yeah, here it is, folks. And I'm not ta- I'm not talking about actual money or, or or hacking voting machines. I'm talking about an ideological influence. Where Mitch McConnell thinks it's perfectly okay to take $188 billion of our money. And that's what it is. Don't ever forget that, it's folks. Taxpayer anytime money. you hear a budget, anytime you hear taxes, that's our money they're screwing around with, yeah. okay? So now Mitch McConnell has carved out $188 billion in bribes. Pure and simple. Yeah, that's one. what they are. So and it, that's how he's going to try and play this game. He's going to try to buy this toxic health care bill and, over the uh, line. And Paul Ryan's trying to spin it in the meantime. Here he is. Uh, I would not bet against Mitch McConnell. Uh, he is very, very good at getting things done through the Senate, even with this, this razor-thin majority. Uh, I have every expectation that the Senate – I don't know what day, but I have every expectation the Senate will move this bill. And here comes the talking uh, And I point. assume this bill will have changes. You know why? Because we all made promises we would do that. Every Republican senator campaigned on repealing and replacing this law. Point two, the law is collapsing. Forty-one percent of counties in America now, you have only one plan to choose from. So you're seeing families get hit with another double-digit premium increase. You're seeing choices evaporating in much of America. I know you want to respond to that already. Uh, it's just self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, they did that to the states. They did that to the, the states. They also crafted in the original ACA a time limit for all this participation by various insurance companies. And the minute they're clear, they're all pulling out. Because they weren't making enough money. It's not that they weren't making any money. It's not that they weren't getting any profit. They weren't making enough. And so that's why you have states that only have one provider, because all the other ones pulled out and basically left a monopoly. Which, again, uh, is illegal. You can't have a monopoly, but we have one here. Thanks, Mr. Ryan. Yeah, and when the red states and now Trump control the execution of the ACA, that allows them to not penalize insurance companies for pulling out for and doing not and wrong. not fund the damn thing in the first place yeah i mean well they can change funding to a degree exactly anyway let me continue blue cross blue shield just pulled out of wisconsin last week they pulled out of missouri they pulled out of ohio 94 out of 99 <laughs> See, counties in tactics. iowa next year are scheduled to have no plans left this law is collapsing it's in a tailspin we have a duty and an obligation to step in front of that collapse and rescue the healthcare system for people who are in the individual market so I believe that they'll get this done, and I believe they'll get it done because they said they would get it done. Now, my, to my conservative friends, it's not that I disagree with what Paul Ryan is saying, that he, that ACA needs to be fixed and that it's got problems. And, of course, they are self-fulfilling, but it has problems. <sighs> but here's the thing that here's the thing you got to focus on. Is this a politician who is seeking 
to get people more health care? No. Or is he a politician trying to scare you into the boogeyman of democratic policies, which were originally conservative policies, and just tell you that everything's terrible, bad, all they know is victimhood. Right. I keep saying this. I don't know what this Republican Party is anymore. They don't know how to be for things. They only know how to oppose things. And so in that little speech, and I watched the whole thing, there was 30 seconds on how we're going to help the people, and then there was eight minutes on how terrible things are. You want to know what it is? I, it just, this just popped into my head. They're lazy. It's easier to just say it doesn't work. It's, it's Anybody can be a critic. laziness. Anybody can be a critic. Yeah, doing offering up an alternative policy that's better. Oh, that's actually hard work, but we take a crap on anything. A little yeah. kid can take a crap on anything. A dog can crap on anything. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. Paul Ryan, <laughs> you're a childish dog crapping on something. And Erica and I just went through this, and we're doing this all the time, is we call out progressives, too, and say, look, Absolutely. you can't just be against things. No. You've got to be for something. In fact, you need to be more for something than you are against something. Even 51%. <laughs> yeah. Just be more for something. But how do we... How do we move the populace with the truth when, you know, earlier you point out uh, Republicans, I'm just going to say Republicans, you know, are only watching Fox News um, and Fox News. I I don't I mean, what's the solution there? Well, first off, we need we need to do to them what Canada did to them, Fox News. And you take away the news part. You don't let them call it news I'm anymore. Damn, I'm, I'm, I, I am heart them. attack just, serious. I'll just make them double down. They don't even ma- believe Snopes is real. But given, they don't believe PolitiFact is real. But we don't really have the power to do that. I mean, like, what could what can we do today, given the system? This is the hard part. You have to of demonstrate. What it is. It's what Erica is. What Erica is doing. What you're doing in California is we continue to demonstrate that it's about being for something and creating something and expanding on something that's good. Well, this and, is why you know it's even more important to pass this in California. Absolutely. To serve as an example for the rest of the country. You know, Seattle recently raised their minimum wage. And the conservatives, oh, my God, the business is going to leave. It's going to ruin the city. Uh, you know, everybody's going to die. There's going to be no jobs. Everybody's going to have any money. And it did exactly the opposite. Yeah. Seattle is thriving with a higher minimum wage. Now, it's funny you bring that one up on a little quick tangent. I've been doing, I've been watching that one very carefully because for that exact reason, right? And they have been working hard to find a study and they found one. There's been one study now. Now, of course, they're currently waiting for the peer review and they're calling it an outlier. But they did find a study that said that that, that, it, that the minimum wage increase in Seattle actually hurt the very low income people. Who, who did the study? It was uh, no, it was a, it was a, by a university. It was fairly credible. But now they're kind of taking it apart, obviously, and, and looking at their their numbers and looking at their stuff. And so we're going to see. And but what's amazing about it is this is it's currently an outlier, as they say, which means it's an, an exception to the rule. It's this, one study that doesn't match the other studies. This would be the one. But, this would be the one climate scientist that says man right. has no effect on but climate change. But here's the difference. That's a Republican though talking point. I've actually heard many, many times that raising the minimum wage hurts the poor. Yeah, and I. <laughs> I know. I like, know. It's pain- so it's how painful. is it that having $15 in your pocket hurts you rather than having $8 in well, your pocket? Well, the way pocket? they say it hurt the poor in this particular case in Seattle is that it bumped up wages, like you said, all kinds of prosperity, more wages, more mo- better situations, better benefits. Everything went up. The only thing is, is that it had a case where 
people started hiring more qualified workers and a few of the really unskilled workers were left kind of out or unemployed or underemployed. And so that's where they're trying to say that they got hurt, that some of the people at the bottom, because they went, well, if I'm going to pay somebody $15 an hour instead of $10 an hour, I'm going to get someone who's slightly more qualified. I'm going to give, I'm going to put more investment into that person and, and, and cut an employee. So, so, okay. They're hiring more qualified janitors, uh, people at kind McDonald's, of, yeah. but this is the same. So I hear over and over, believe it or not, people say, "Well, Senate Bill five five sixty two, it would create job loss because of the insurance company." <laughs> I I think that's a bogus argument, and I I think this study um, that's is like, kind that's- of full of. It is so far. We're seeing, but here's there are two things. One, you're right. It would be like saying, you know, uh, switching to cell phones. I mean, yes, kill the phone industry, the, the landline industry. It's like, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, it right. It is true that yeah. there would be no need for the insurance, insurance companies, industry. and that some of those jobs would go away. And we were even talking about off the air before we started, Erica, about you know, with this new health care bill, it would actually hurt hurt Planned Parenthood. Uh, because, they would become obsolete because Planned Parenthood is mostly funded by don- donations as well as federal funding, and it is based because there isn't enough insurance, there isn't enough coverage, so they fill in the gap. Because well, poor had, women go to Planned Parenthood to right. get their mammograms, their Pap smears, exactly. Uh, you know, birth, birth control, control yeah. testing, and, disease testing, right? And so. If Senate Bill 562 passes, they go to the you just doctors. get that. Yeah, you don't have to go to Planned Parenthood. You, you don't, don't need have that to safety go to, net. You don't need that safety net. Because yeah. you'll have care. And so as a result, <laughs> Erica was you know, kind of stressed. I don't mean to speak for you, but kind of frustrated. It's like, wow, Planned Parenthood is actually against single payer because it would mean they would be obsolete. And you say, well, yeah, but it would be super good for everyone to have health care. Right. So there are certain... Okay, so there's certain losses right? right but but the other good part but, about it is gonna, but they're ahead. worth it but <laughs> yeah but in this case that's an ironic silver lining if planned right. parent code goes out of business it's because it's no longer needed yes and that's you know every republican thing. in the state of california should be in support of senate bill 562 <laughs> right? just to drive out planned parenthood that's where we need to change our messaging hate planned parenthood get senate bill 562 pass because no they'll become obsolete uh, you know, that's genius. strange bedfellows, but it could happen. That's genius. Uh, but the one last thought on the Seattle thing, uh, you've got this one outlier. And here's where I was also encouraged is that as soon as they came out with this, all the groups that had done the other studies who said, hey, minimum wage helps every time are peer reviewing. They didn't immediately go, oh, this is, and they, started, they didn't look for dastardly means or malicious intent. They said, oh, let's see your numbers. Maybe we missed something. And that's the difference. That's, Genuine curiosity to determine what is true. The scientific method. Yes. That's true peer review, too. It's not, you don't immediately shame the other guy. You you suss him out. Yeah. Hey, do, you, do, do the numbers that you're throwing at us actually add up? Yes. That's what you do to it. And that's how you responsibly discredit something. Yeah. You don't just go out there and lambaste it in the media. You go out with actual numbers and go, yeah, they forgot to carry the one over here. That's kind of important. Well, <laughs> that's the difference between when you see, you know, these conservatives who are climate deniers having to twist and contort because the truth and the numbers and the facts are simply not on their yeah. side. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You have to believe in, dis- in, despite, uh, in, in spite of the truth. So coming up, uh, I still, I've been promising Rand Paul, I want you to hear it because I think it's important so you can see where the, the ideology sits on in the bubble. And then I also want to talk, we got a great lighting around <laughs> with the Sperminator and the teenagers and seniors have in common. Uh, we had a great moment in democracy where Greek democracy met with 
with modern communication and, of course, the big fake news thing, <laughs> huge fake news thing. Uh, this is Jeff's World. I met you in the dark. You lit me up. You made this is Jeff's World, the home of truth, justice, sarcasm, laughs, and epiphanies, all while looking at the American way of life. I am Jeff Stein with Erica Fairston and Jeff Hendrick. And it no is, capes! No capes! <laughs> it is such a pleasure to uh, to speak about these things. Uh, I so want everyone to, to enjoy it. I know it's ugly. I know it's frustrating. But this is the kind of thing that you'll look back on. And you'll go, ah, oh, this was so rad. Well, it's it's the old phrase, the two things you never want to see made are sausages and laws. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like sausage. Um, so, hey, so do I. I just don't need to uh, see it be made. made. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, so, what part of the cow is that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, so Rand Paul is an, uh. is an interesting animal here. And normally I don't try to. <laughs> was that not fair? Um, I don't Uh-oh. try to draw too much attention to folks that are kind of on the fringe. Because, you know, it's, it's like, I mean, like Newt Gingrich has been everywhere, right? And Newt Gingrich is saying some of the crazy things he's ever said in his whole life right now. And the funny thing and, is, just, you know, you could roll back to tape where he said the exact opposite 15 years ago. Yeah. Right. That's what's amazing. I know, I That's know. what's amazing for me on the whole Gingrich uh, thing. Him and you know, Jerry Brown. In fact, by oh. the way, if you want to see, yeah, if you want to see something <laughs> super fun, uh, the Daily Show. We put it on our Facebook page. The Daily Show did a virtual President Donald J. Trump Museum of tweets. <laughs> And you get to walk around the building with your mouse, and there's like slide things like here. Here's a tweet from from Donald Trump, and you can slide and see what Kellyanne Conway did to spin it. You know, oh, and that's brilliant. There's video yeah. clips, all the tweets. One of my favorite tweets that I was stumbled upon, and he also does like the tweets by the numbers. How many times he talked about this? How many oh, talked about that? It's so. It looks like a real museum, and it is. It looks like somebody spent a, a month on it. And it's you go so online deep. to do this? Yeah. You'll get lost in it. It's so good. Uh, and it's all so eye-opening. We forgot. There's this scary. great tweet that one made me think of just now when Donald Trump says, uh, he said it in 2014 talking about Obama, and he said, hey, isn't it true? Or can can you impeach a president for gross incompetence? <laughs> Jesus, like, the oh, irony oh, of that God. one. My God, man. And the answer is you yes, better, by the freaking way. freaking hope not. Yeah, you wow. can. Oh, you can? <laughs> well, you can impeach a president for anything that the Congress decides to impeach him on. It How just about has the emollients clause? That no would be, kidding. That would what? be nice. I yeah. heard that. Yeah, that one, in retrospect, I can tell you, you want to look at the future? Not only will we look back on us and go, wow, it was so hard to get universal health care, but look, we did it. We will also look back on it and say, how did anyone not see the the Russian collusion and the and the obstruction of justice? How did people not see that? And we'll have to explain to our kids. Yeah, I know it's kind of hard. Stupid it's kind of is a stupid. You know, it's it was. It, you got. I said you got to understand the tribalism at the time. You've got to understand how people were so attached to their party identity that they wouldn't let any fact in that came from anybody who who didn't wasn't part of the party. You know. Oh my and, God! And, it sounds like somebody trying. And they explain the Germans and Hitler. Yes, a little bit, a little bit, but we'll not. We won't go, of course, that far into it. So Rand Paul uh, met with Donald Trump, kind of unauthorized, right? Because he went around Mitch McConnell because he's not part of those thirteen that are the thirteen that are in secret were crafting the health care bill. He wasn't part of that, so he went over and met with Donald. He's got Trump. his Anne Rand panties up in a wad <laughs> over that. So but the last time we had 13 guys deciding a bunch of people's fate, one of them got crucified, if I recall correctly. Oh, yeah, see, there you go. Uh, here, so let me give you a little taste. Here's on, on when he was sitting down with Donald Trump. 
You know, I think we had a good discussion, and I told the president that I'm open to supporting it, but it has to get better, and it has to be more of a repeal bill. Uh, we keep too many of the Obamacare regulations, we keep too many of the Obamacare subsidies, and we create a new federal fund to subsidize insurance companies. So we've got to look at all of that, and we have to ask the people who elected us on repealing Obamacare if this bill is really repeal. But I thought the president was very open-minded towards trying to make the bill a better bill, and I get along very well with the president. I think I can work with him. <laughs> and so, first of all, you see... It's all about repeal. How can, how can you actually call that a meeting of the minds? <laughs> another I'm curious. One. So uh, these are short clips. Let me give you another one. This is when he was asked kind of about, um, you know, some of his Republican senator friends were not supporting this bill. So I think somehow as it got up here and it got debated and debated and debated, we discovered some Republican legislators actually like Obamacare or like parts of it and they want to keep it. But that's not really the sentiment if you get home and you ask Republicans at home. They don't want to keep any of the Obamacare regulations and much less keeping 10 out of 12. So let me hit that on the facts. Wow. He truly believes that Republicans back home want all of it ripped out. Root and branch, as they say. Right. And he says this kips like 10 out of 12. These 12 ones he's talking about are pre-existing condition lifetime caps, the one that says that, a, that an insurance company has to, out of every insurance dollar, they have to spend 80 cents of it on care and only 20% on administration and profit. All of that taken out, all of the stuff, the, the deductible limits taken out, the ability to uh, deny care if you fall off of the rolls, all of this stuff are part of that. And he truly believes that everybody, as he'll say here in this final clip, everybody wants it gone. I think this thing still could be done, but we have to keep our promise to the Republican voters as well as all voters that we were going to repeal the disaster that is Obamacare. But in order to get rid of the high prices of Obamacare, you have to repeal the regulations. And if we tinker around the edge with one or two regulations, the prices won't come down. And guess who they're going to blame? The Republicans. So we got to fix it. We got to really repeal it. He is right about that. We'll bring the Republicans. That is one thing he's right about. But when he truly believes, and a lot of Republicans do, and maybe Paul Ryan's among them, that if you get rid of all the protections, and I'm calling them protections instead of regulations because we're trying to understand it, because it is, it's a protection. If you get rid of all of them, again, pre existing condition, all that stuff, that they believe that the insurance companies will rush into the market eager to provide health care. Without profit, <laughs> so I wonder when he How says every high. Do you got to be, uh, dude? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, that so is so. Here's what I'm that wondering: is cracky is whack? That is so cracky whack. So, um, I appreciate you ex breaking this down for us. Um, when he says when he talks to everyone at home and everyone yeah. at home by. Is he defining everyone at home, the CEOs of the insurance companies? Because I can see where the CEOs want to get rid of, you know, uh, pre-existing conditions and the the protection that 80 cents of every dollar has to actually be spent on the person's care rather than just going to their profit. Yes, that makes sense. But is he really telling me that pregnant women are coming up to him and say, uh, you know what? Don't this should me. be a pre-existing condition. Yeah. I should not be covered. Yeah. 
I mean, my child, you know, who's born with whatever, don't cover him. They're not listening to their own constituents. This is Kentucky. So who, who he's do from you Kentucky, think he's of course. Talking to? Well, you know, it's fascinating because again, in Kentucky, we have some very obvious data. Oh, he's talking. You know who lives in? Is it the Koch brothers who live in Kentucky? No, that's Kansas. Oh, that's yeah. Kansas. <laughs> but they okay. spend a lot of money there. <laughs> but you know, in in Kentucky, where Donald Trump won, and this is the coal miners and all this stuff, right? Mm. We saw all this data and the oxy, said, and the oxy. Uh, there's a fairly big oxy, opioid, huge opioid, opioid issue. problem in Tennessee and in That's Kentucky. That's what it is. His yeah. constituents are high, dude. Oh. And, and by when the he way, was talking to them, they're yeah. like, yeah, man, get rid of it. <laughs> I'm on painkillers. I don't care. That's one of the provisions that he's talking about removing is the requirement to cover treatment of opioid addiction. Because he doesn't care. He thinks that should be gone. He doesn't well, care. Because then they'll keep spending their money on yeah. those drug dealers. So so what is Rand Paul? Rand Paul is basically like uh, a religious person, in the, like an evangelical. I don't want to say that because I don't like to put those people in that box. Because obviously there are wonderful evangelicals who follow the path of Christ in the trueness of their heart. Really? But there are those who wake up every day and decide that you're either with us or against us and you're either with God or for God. And my church has told me that everything Republican is good and everything Democrat is bad. And so that's all I care about. And Let's, my mind is but closed. The very definition of evangelical is to get converts. Well, there's not a, so, I mean, nothing wrong with converting people to the love of Christ, but they're not converting to the love of Christ. They're converting them to the, the, the hate of Democrats. And if they don't Democrats. get converted <laughs> you know, to the like, love of Christ, then they're demonized. Yeah, you yeah, want you got to take out the dark parts, that's you, for sure. You want to talk about tribalism? Yeah, oh, no doubt. Don't don't politics is running a, a very distant second to religion. Yeah. Okay? So let's talk about real tribalism. Let's let's talk about that. Yeah. All right. If you're not a conservative Christian, a lot of Republicans would prefer that you die or leave the country or don't bother them or go away. Now, I got news for you. The Founding Fathers set up this whole taco shop that we're living in called America <laughs> on the idea that not everybody had to have the same freaking taco. In fact, if you don't like tacos, it's cool if you're here, too. If you're a burrito guy or a chimichanga girl, we don't care. It's the yeah. taco shop that offers a little help and a little love to everybody. Okay, Not just not just soft taco people, not just crunchy cell people, not just chicken people, <laughs> not just pollo, not just carne asada. The whole freaking taco shop is hey, open to Spanish Everybody. stuff. Yeah, buddy. We're talking Mexican over there. That's right. Well, I oh, want to like kind of point out in your in that first clip, I don't know if you realized it, but Rand Paul answered a question you had at the very beginning of this program. Oh. Uh, you brought up a question. So uh, we know that, okay, so they're cutting, the Republican death care plan is cutting 880 yeah, billion, billion, basically from Medicaid. Yeah. And $33 billion of that is going to the top 400 richest families in the United States. But you said there was a whole chunk of billions of dollars that you didn't know what that was earmarked for. Rand Paul answered that. If you replay that first clip, he said that they will be providing subsidies to the insurance, insurance companies. Yeah. That's where the other billions are going. Because God knows the CEOs who are making millions yeah, per welfare. year, they, they're struggling and they need our taxpayer money for more of their profit. You know, I knew that my conservative friends had gone off the ranch when Mitt Romney said uh, it was was all for social, I mean, political, well, I mean, I'm sorry, corporate welfare while saying let Detroit go bankrupt. 
you know, let these folks go bankrupt, but we're going to prop up the insurance industry with subsidies and the oil industry with subsidies. And they're going to have to because people aren't going to be able to pay for the insurance. And those are their friends, their billionaire friends that they're doing this for in the first place. God almighty. You know, poor people of color don't vote for Republicans anyway, so they all should die. I mean, it's real simple. If you don't vote for me, I don't care about you. are not part you. of the tribe. You're not part of the tribe, and you should probably just die. The problem is, is poor white folks are the ones that elected Donald Trump, as well as the you know, up, upscale white folks. And so you know, they were demanding these things, and they're not getting them. And that's why we have no way to measure that right now, other than the you guys were worried about, well, how do we get to these people? How do we get to them? It's down to that 35% now. Uh, who were staying in the bubble, and they'll probably always be in the bubble. And the other sixty-five percent of the nation is what's going to move forward, and they're going to be kicking and screaming, saying this is the worst that we're going to. They're going to have universal health care, and they're still going to say, you know, it was better when it wasn't government run, and they just, they're just not. Well, gonna, then you know. they have some good news coming down the pike because when you hear Republican leadership and corporations saying they are for single payer, let me tell you what they're planning. They're planning single payer, but it's called private single payer, where there is one insurance company. That is private. Oh, so Monopoly. That That's is, a good idea. That is the single-payer system that the Republican establishment is for when you hear them say that, private single-payer. Well, if they can be like the VA or Medicare and operate on 3 to 5% expenses, then uh, it can be private. But there's no private company in the world that's going to run on 3 no. to 5% profits. Uh, no, out of no not with it, not, no. not when your CEO's cranking down $124 million a year. That's a million. Can't that's $10 million a a month. So, so the the fun continues uh, with fake news because you know our favorite president there uh, always talks about our favorite fake news president. I should say always talks about fake news, right? And you guys probably caught this, but let me just play a little Washington Post uh, David Fahrenheit explaining what happened. So. The cover is hanging on the wall of at least two Trump resorts in the U.S. and a couple overseas. The cover and of Time it magazine looks like a cover of Time magazine, and the big photo on the cover is Donald Trump. And there's a photo of Trump, and it says, Donald Trump, The Apprentice is a television smash, exclamation point. And then there's another headline about Trump above the masthead, above the name Time, that says, Trump is hitting all, on all fronts, including TV. This is hung up, hung on the wall. It's very impressive looking. It's fake. It's totally it's total fake, but right? he's so <laughs> but he's so proud of it, dude. It took him almost twenty seven dollars in dimes to win that at the county fair. <laughs> That's the first thing I thought of too. Is like, where did he? What, what little booth did he go to yeah. to make the fake picture? Well, it was he was he was you know he was really torn. It was between that and then the elongated Pepsi bottle that's filled with all sorts of colored sand. <laughs> Those are the two things that he had, he had won at the dime toss, and he went with the Time magazine cover. In five different locations on Trump properties, yes. the same fakes. And the silly thing about it is he has been on the cover of Time. Now, of course, he has the famous tweet, which was in the Daily Show tweet uh, thing, saying about how I'm probably the, I have the record for being on Time magazine. And he's something like 14 times. Yeah, it's still a lie. And it's still alive. Well, even Richard Nixon was on 55 times on, right. on Time magazine. So it's not even close to that. But the point is, is that here's the guy that screams fake news every day. And, and he, he makes ultimate, fake news. Yeah. And, and the first thing I thought of was that, uh, you know, remember in Forrest Gump when they made the Fortune magazine cover where it shows, you know, Tom Hanks with his eyes kind of closed holding right. up the Bubba Gump <laughs> shrimp thing, right. you know? And it's like, I thought, oh, that's what he did, basically. That's exactly what he did. <laughs> and that's what he oh, That is man. pathetic. It, is it really sad. is. It's sad. Can you imagine? Say, sad. Sad. <laughs> loser. Can you imagine if your loser. Kid was grown up, and then like you went into their apartment, and they had just like fake Time magazines of themselves. You would be like, dude. No, what, the, especially what when you have a real one. Wrong with, right. And you have right. a. I mean, it's just. 
I this is personal, but uh, Jeff Stein and I we were out of town this last weekend um, doing one of our workshops, yeah. and we were with uh, we were in San Luis Obispo with uh, Mayor Heidi Harmon and um, her husband and friends and. We went out to dinner. Anyway, we we went downtown. We listened to music, the live band. Tipsy Gypsies. They were great. The best time. And we're at dinner. We're having such a great time. And I was actually sitting there thinking, I guarantee you the amount of joy and laughter and loving we are experiencing in this moment is far more than Trump is experiencing wherever he is. I don't think he's had that much. With as much power and money that he has the man is just so miserable that yeah, he he because can't. it's all a house of cards okay his whole empire is this big massive smoke and mirror dog and pony show he doesn't he's branded everything on earth but he doesn't own it yeah. okay you want to know who owns him putin <laughs> no not even putin it's the it's the bank of cyprus Right. That owns Donald J. Trump. Yeah. Lock, stock, and barrel, man. He owes them almost a billion dollars, according to some reports. Well, so coming up, uh, the money thing is starting to hit the fan with Donald Trump. He just lost a property, and that's a story that is really fast. You guys didn't even know about this one yet. Oh, this is so good. He lost that. They're going to be very soon removing the name Trump off of one of Trump's prized properties because of the entanglements of cash. It's all just drip, 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 burn, burn, burn. That as well as we want to get into the lighting round and we want to talk about that press conference or non-press conference when the White House uh, basically shuts every camera off. We are Jeff's World. Play that song The one that makes me go You're breathing the rarefied air of Jeff's world. I'm Jeff Stein. <laughs> Jeff Stein, that's it. Jeff Hendrick, <laughs> along with Erica Ferriston. Uh, I love these people so much. Um, obviously, they're unabashed progressives. I'm not even quite sure how I can. I'm trying to be teamless only because uh, I, if you don't have a stake in the outcome of which team's going to win, it allows you to just support wherever there's something going on. And I don't mean that to be some sort of third-party weasel, as I chastised earlier, uh, because I'm also happy to own <laughs> where I have been wrong, and I have been I'm wrong I'm a big on fan many of the third parties. I think yeah. there should be third, fourth, fifth. I uh, think it should well, be like England. Yeah. What, yeah. Are, what, are you, what do you got against weasels, yeah. my friend? What, about, <laughs> what have they ever done to you? I know, I know. <laughs> so... Um, a lot of uh, so much, so much going on. Uh, the first one I teased here a second ago, uh, VEB, the bank that is the Russian bank. It is it is Putin's bank. And if you don't believe me, ask yourself why it's been sanctioned by every country in the world. You can't do business with VEB bank. I think it's VEB, right? A VP. I can remember it's a, it's a, it's a Russian translation. Uh, they're being followed by U.S. attorneys generals right now, along with Deutsche Bank. Mm-hmm. Because of the money laundering, they are almost overtly doing. It's just such a you have to go lawyer up and get it done. Right but. now, now remember who had to exit Deutsche Bank just ahead of the constables was Wilbur Ross. Yes, Wilbur Ross, who is now a member of the Trump administration. Yes, you know all. The, you know uh, who else had members? Yes, and you know all who else had to skate at a Deutsche Bank just Paul ahead Manafort? of the cops? Paul Manafort. Not mention Carter Page too. So. Uh. The Trump <laughs> International Showy Hotel condo in Toronto, Canada, 
is has just been taken away from Donald Trump. It just it was in the news yesterday. Um, it, it's developing. So check it out. So when they built it, he, you know, as usual, when Erica will tell you this because we work with government officials all the time. Anytime you build some massive building, it's so intertwined with the government because they got to do parking assessments and environmental control. I mean, it's just a million things. You drive, you build a giant building, they got to make sure you have the transportation and the and all this stuff going for it, right? And so and that was the case in Toronto. They built this building and Trump came in. And they said, sure, okay, so we'll finance it. We'll do it through this thing and this and that. And there was all this, you know, obviously uh, financial transactions that went on. This is 2014, as I recall. And the moment within the first year of them completing it, he was defaulted in his loans. So once again, brilliant business man Donald Trump defaulted on the loans in the first year of construction of his building. That's, that's his game first plan, though, open. generally, isn't it? So he needed cash. So he went to the Russian Putin-controlled VEB bank and got like $50 million to cover his shortfall. And fast forward to today, Canada said, wait a minute, Russia has been actively attacking governments. France, America, are we next? This is a sanctioned illegal transaction bank. So the Canadian government and Toronto said, you're done, you're default, it's ours. They sold it off to another company. <gasps> Trump, the, the Trump name is being removed from the entire tower. It's owned by somebody else. Dang. That's what would have happened if we had a government that wasn't run by Republicans who were willing to enable this guy just so they can get their bills through. Because if Republicans were based be, behaving like the Republicans I used to know and love, they would say, well, this is... This is sanctioned money. This is illegal money. This is money laundered money. This is pure evidence that you were taking money from Russians. That is not only a violation of the emoluments clause because you're getting direct benefit. Yeah. This is illegal, cheated, stolen money yeah. from Russian oligarchs. Yes. Canada said, well, that's pretty simple. You're done. Goodbye. This is why I say anybody who supports Trump, who likes to say that they're a conservative and they're a law and order type of person. They yeah. don't get to say that they're law and order nope. no. anymore. You can't say you're nope. a law and order person. Mm -mm. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah. So the other thing that was a, a fairly big deal as we kind of lightning round through was the they stopped showing having cameras in the White House press briefings, right? And except and, for Russian ones, except for Russian ones. Well, and <laughs> do you remember that? And then Putin huh? like held that up, like look who's running America. Yeah. They shut down their American press, but they allowed you know our Russian camera in there. I mean, this is just. <laughs> The the conservatives that America first. No, no, America sounds first, like yeah. Russia no, first. No, it's that's all fake news. And by know, the way, it's all fake news. That sorry, Stein, I'm going on a tangent. Go for it. But when the uh, <laughs> when the Turkish, what is it, Prime Erdogan, 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 when he was here, um, his bodyguards beat up. Oh, they got Americans, charged. Americans. They got charged? Yeah. Americans who were, you know, peacefully protesting. Because le here legally, in America. Legally. 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 <laughs> Turkish American peacefully right. protesting his appearance, which is our right as Americans and a longstanding American tr tradition, as long as hunting is an American tradition. <laughs> while, you know, Trump just looks on. And I love that. The uh, Merkel over in Germany said, "Oh, those, uh, those uh, bodyguards—they're not welcome in our country because we protect our German citizens. Because our police force 
uh, you know, upholds the law. They don't stand aside and 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 let some foreign uh, dictator bodyguard Thug. beat up Americans on American soil. Yeah. So the follow up is they have been charged and they've been moving forward with criminal proceedings uh, to much as they right. can, which is I nice. Mean, you don't hear about that. But yeah, that because the people had to bring that That's forward. Correct. That's Not correct. where was our American president protecting our nope. American people on American soil against these these foreigners' bodyguards? I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, it's true dictator stuff coming in and be like Nazis coming in and because uh, Erdogan's not far from Nazi fascism, obviously, because no. he's he's gotten rid of courts, he's gotten rid of uh, policemen, he's gotten rid of you know yeah, but anybody opposes him. He's our ally because that's where we launch all of our Middle East meddling from yeah, is Turkey. It's a careful the An- the Ankara Air Base is ground zero for all of our incursions into the Middle East. Yeah, and that's what they are. All right, let's really really get down to brass tacks. We do not have a defense department. We have an offense department in this country because no one's coming after us. We're going out <laughs> across the globe. We are currently bombing eight separate countries that we do not have a formal declaration of war against. That is true. Eight. And that is so wrong. And that has been across many presidents, Democrat oh, yeah. and Republican. But I think this is the first time in history where an American president has let the bodyguards of a foreign uh, you know, dictator, ruler, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call him, uh, physically beat up Americans on American soil. Yeah, yeah. So they uh, they shut out cameras. Uh, Colbert uh, had fun with it, of course. They did a, a sketch, because uh, otherwise you just hear the audio of Sean uh, Spicer ignoring everything, ignoring all the requests for cameras, but then Colbert did this. The White House has blocked cameras and audio recordings from recent briefings. The press secretary says he doesn't want to distract people on days that President Trump appears on TV. Before we begin the press briefing, I just want to go over some of the new rules. As you know, as soon as Mr. Spicer walks out here, we'll be cutting all audio and visual feeds. Of course, we will still be releasing transcripts, but those will now be in ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics. (laughs) To receive a copy, just follow these directions. I bird foot. As for the briefings themselves, no one will be allowed to ask a question unless they are holding the official briefing conch. If you want to speak, you must first take possession of the conch. In addition, every reporter will be handed a folded piece of paper. Whoever gets the black dot will be stoned to death by the rest of the press corps. Also, during the briefing, all exits will be sealed and the room will slowly fill with water. An electric eel may or may not be released. That is a Austin day of Powers. decision. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm told Mr. Spicer <laughs> will be out here in a minute. Good luck to you all. Now, fight for the conch. <laughs> so, may mean, the odds be ever in your favor. Right. <laughs> and then the other... Uh, uh, well, I appreciate the humor, but that scares the the pants off I know, me. you have and to make fun of because it it's so wait, scary. Can you imagine if Obama oh got God. rid of all cameras and journalists... The conservatives would be screaming, that's un-American, un-American. But I know, I feel like the Trump supporters are like, yeah, that's right, kick him out, Fake no news. journalists. But it's like, does anybody not see this is dictatorship 101? If this were happening in another country, what has been happening here since January, we would have invaded already. Right? Oh, absolutely. Right? We'd have sent in, uh, what are they called, military advisors. 
So the other moment that was on camera was Sarah Huckabee Sanders. You remember her. She's the uh, daughter of, of Mike Huckabee, of course, but she's been the, uh, she's the deputy uh, press secretary, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And she said to the crowd of the entire White House press corps of, of extremely professional journalists, you're all fake news. I mean, she called them. She said, you are all fake news. And then Brian Karam from the Sentinel had this moment that made the news uh, in response to that. If we make the slightest mistake, the slightest word is off. It is uh, just an absolute tirade from a lot of people in this room. But news outlets get to go on day after day and cite unnamed sources, use uh, stories without sources, have, uh, you know, you mentioned the Scaramucci story where they had to have reporters resign. Come on, you're inflaming everybody right here, right now with those words. This administration has done that as well. Why in the name of heavens, any one of us, right, are replaceable, and any one of us, if we don't get it right, the audience has the opportunity to turn the channel or not read us. I think I you think, have been elected to serve for four years at least. There's no option other than that. We're I here think, to ask you questions. Right. We're here to provide the answers. And what you just did is inflammatory to people all over the country who look at it and say, see, once again, the president is right and everybody else out here is fake media. And everybody in this room is only trying to do their job. Well, I, I just I, I disagree completely. First of all, I think if anything has been inflamed, uh, it's the dishonesty that often takes place by the news media. And I think it is outrageous for you to a- accuse me of inflaming a story when I was simply trying to respond to his question. Kevin. It's, it's the game of victimhood. Oh, oh my so God, she's hurt. insane. How can you pick She's on insane. me? She's insane. How can yeah. you pick on us? I mean, to just be so deep in your victimhood that it's never... It's know. all your fault because you're asking questions. Yeah. Clearly, she didn't read the New York Times where they printed all of Trump's lies in the first, you know, yeah. six weeks of office. Did you see? Yeah. That took, out, that took an entire him, page I of know, the New York all of, Tiny type. Look it up. Google it. New York Times list of Trump's lies. It's, and you say, oh, fake New York Times, fake news. Hey, you know what? You can look on Twitter and verify <laughs> Every freaking one of these. Yeah. They're all in public record. You That's probably not... liked the tweets. You probably liked the tweets. Just look right? at your own Twitter feed. And it didn't matter that. Uh, so, uh, you know, obviously wow. there's no point in even debating whether or not uh, wow. he's accurate. So, uh, <laughs> but it does, it gets better. Um, there's so much more movement in, in other directions. Uh, one, of the, one of the things I teased at the top of the show was that, you know, a shift in corporate spine. There was a Campbell's Soup ad. Did you guys see this one? Ah. You knew I'd bring this one up. So I'll play it for you. A little 30-second little ad uh, so you can see that you don't need the visual. But the point is that there's a dad trying to have a little soup with his son. And then there's a second dad. And you'll see what I mean. Dun, 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 Eating dun, soup. Dun. Trying to get him to eat. Cooper, I am your father. No, no, no. I am the other dad. (laughs) That's got to be the worst Vader ever. Campbell's Star Wars Soups. How about you be Chewbacca? (laughs) So as you can imagine. Made for real, real life. Made for real, real life. And Two so somehow, dads. somehow the homophobes across America lost their minds over this? They did. Good. Uh, Good. You know, I, I, I won't, oh God, I won't read. There's more American than Campbell's Soup, too. I know. It's really great. You know, there's things like, pull the new pro-homosexual advertisement, or I have bought my last bit of Campbell's anything. 
Please promote families, just families. Neither one obvious, just families. Stay out of the cultural norms. They change. And this is an argument, by the way, on the on the right, is that homosexuality is a fad. It's a cultural moment. And then we're going to go back to realizing that gayness is a crazy, you know, insane sin and it doesn't really have any validity in life. It's just God, passion. I think the two people on the cross next to Jesus were probably hung for that. <laughs> So exactly right. I mean, the gay people have been crucified for year, for thousands of years. <laughs> yeah, and so, but the good thing is that Campbell's Soup, um, you know, they went in and they just went ahead uh, and answered all these different ones. I can't read them all. You got, I'll put it on the Facebook page because there's so many. Because they would come out with some sort of angry attack, and Campbell's Soup would come back with something like this: "Hello, so and so's name." It seems you may have you have somehow mistook two men feeding their child soup as a pornographic film depicting depicting anal stimulation. My word, Jessica, this is quite the leap. While we at Campbell's Kitchen take pride on being empathetic, we are finding it hard to empathize with your vantage point. Would you just prefer we send you some of our classic tomato soup? It's real super. I mean, they're just like playing are you with kidding these me? Folks. I'm not That's kidding. awesome. This oh is- my god, that's amazing. <laughs> Uh, you know, <laughs> wow, right. I think you mistook. <laughs> right? We at Campbell's Soup Kitchen were under the impression that these, this advert was just that, a video of a loving family. There were no signs or flashing lights, although I personally suggested flashing lights and a rainbow would have been fabulous. We <laughs> 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 put in parentheses, suggesting it to be anything other than a family. That being said, we will not be taking down the advertisement. Our dad simply trained way too long to perfect those Darth Vader and Chewbacca impersonations. We should all just take a second to appreciate that yeah it's, Whoa, it, that's, I, I know what i'm serving for dinner tonight right? this this is how you combat yes. hate and bigotry and it's with ridicule and humor they were also one of the first food companies to i think maybe it was bpa to take bpa oh yeah whatever, cans. whatever that horrible liner yeah. is it gives right. us all cancer yeah, yeah. yeah. they yeah. were the first one to go oh well uh yeah we can 86 that that's not a problem yeah yeah. And so they, they <laughs> but this is the good news because, you know, we've complained from, from progressive, you know, Democrats in here who obviously have problems with corporations being weaselly and spineless and all this sort of thing. And here's corporations saying, yeah, no, mm, this is this is crazy. This is a loving family. And we're appealing to these folks because they're real. That's why I said real families, real people. I uh, I did a uh, rent-a-center center out a, a while ago with uh, a lady named Whitney Avalon, who okay. was uh gone on and she's part of the disney princess rap battle uh okay viral craziness god love her but she was in that cheerios ad with the with the african-american husband and that absolutely phenomenally cute little interracial baby and cheerios got a ton of hate and instead of backing down general mills doubled down and they made another with Whitney and her TV husband, where she was pregnant with their second child. There you go. And it's just all, there you, go. you know what? This is a family. We These three people love each other. The rest of you can just, you know what, off, because this is what we're about. We're about people who actually love each other. So yeah. have a Cheerio and shut the F up. <laughs> it <laughs> makes me wonder if, is there somebody high up in Campbell's Soup that's having this experience? Yeah. Was there somebody high up in Cheerios that, probably, you know? Well, one out of, what is it? What did you guys say? Politics? changes when it happens to people of Absolutely. power. Absolutely. And here's the thing. What is the statistic? Once, one out of every 10 people is gay. Give or take. Whatever, Give or take. You know, you know somebody. Yeah. yeah. No matter how yeah. anti, anti, you know, how, how homophobic you may be, I guarantee 
guarantee you, you know somebody who's gay. And they're as American and as normal and as righteous and as godlike as anybody else. Another moment that gave me, it actually brought a little tear to my eye is, uh, you guys probably caught this, is after the healthcare movement was when when they were locked up and they were going to throw it out on the floor. Uh, Cory Booker and John Lewis. Cory Booker is senator, senator from New Jersey, Democrat, and John Lewis, a congressman from uh, Georgia, who you may recall crossed the bridge at Selma and had his head caved in. That's his heritage. And they just stopped. They just went out of the steps of the Capitol by themselves. Cory Booker's phone hooked up to FaceTime, mm-hmm. and they started just talking about the health care bill. And more and people just gathered. And then Patrick Murphy and uh, I can't remember, that was four or five other senators. And they're all just sitting down. And it looked like something out of Greece in 221 AD or BC, where they're just talking mm-hmm. about, and one after the other on FaceTime. And it went for four hours. And people are just telling their stories about their health care situation. And Cory Booker's going back, and, and John Lewis is telling stories. And they weren't concerned about somebody with a gun shooting them out in public. They, weren't, they were just out there saying, this is how democracy works. And it put together the modern communication of FaceTime and what have you with this. The old, oldest of old schools. Yeah. Where you actually sit down with your constituents and you chew the fat. Yes. And you talk to people that you represent. Yes. Oh, my goodness. How how revolutionary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, there's been so many moments. There's a moment where, where you know, again, the Twitterverse, uh, they, they schooled uh, Grover Norquist, who famously hates all taxes, right? And he put out this tweet where, where you know, he was talking. He said, how Republicans are born, dot, dot, dot. Daughter, eight years old, has been saving up to buy her first guitar, found it for $35. She had exact 35 then sales tax, Right. Yeah. Okay. Somebody want to remind failed comedian, and that's what he is. He is a failed stand-up comic, <laughs> Grover Norquist. Somebody want to remind him that the father and daughter probably went to the guitar store on publicly funded roads. Ding. Paid for by sales tax. Paid for by sales tax. Did the daughter use the bathroom with that pun? publicly funded sewer system How probably does she go to public school yeah. oh my goodness yeah sales taxes are awful grover they're just awful because they yeah. pay for stuff i guess yeah. she should have worked a little harder that's right baby either that or dad could have thrown the four bucks in taxes and just yeah. said here here's an early here's an early bump on your allowance here's an early christmas gift or just you know what i want to see you rock this guitar here's an extra four bucks i love you yeah yeah <laughs> And it keeps going from there. Oh, um, God. Let's see. The, uh, <laughs> there's uh, the story of the Spermanator. There's this guy. His name is David Nagel, I think. And he's fathered like 24 kids, almost all lesbians. And he was on this. Here's a weird part. This is the weird story. Right? I know. Right? He went on a show once. and Is this by donation or is this by actual, hi, by, how are you? By donation in the cup, mostly. He's, okay. He carries right. around. This little perfect receptacle, which can be turned around and fairly shoved up into your uterus, and, and you're off and running. Look it up. The Sperminator. Fascinating story. We're out of time, so I can't go into it too deeply. But this is a weird phenomenon of today in television because he went on a show, and everybody's like, oh, my God. And then after now he's just got one after the other going, oh, I want your baby. I want your baby. I want your baby. It's disturbing. But whatever. And it's America. Help yourself. Okay. Yeah, I know. I'm going to let that go. Another scary one. <laughs> Uh, they had a study. I told you this, that t- how are teenagers like senior citizens? Uh, they sadly found that by age 19, the majority of teenagers are as sedentary as 60-year-olds 
because of video games, as you know. Well, wow. that was that's the one thing I've always thought was smart about the Wii system. Yeah. If you're playing it for more than an hour, it actually, the screen will come on and say, hey, yeah, uh, you've been playing go this for outside. a while. Go outside. Yeah, why don't you turn this off and go do something? Yes. <laughs> yeah. When the video game knows you're a big, lazy, fat bastard, it's time to get off the couch. Yeah. Uh-huh. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, that is really disturbing. Well, what we need to do then is we need to hook up the teenagers and the over 60s and get them into a little walking club or a Pokemon hunt club or something to get them out of the house. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, I guess the last little uh, fun fa- fun story is that... James, uh, did you walk Grandpa today? <laughs> <laughs> right? It should be like a program. I need to go out! <laughs> I need to go... <laughs> I gotta pee on the lawn! Jimmy, where's my leash? <laughs> How did we get here? Um, so in California, you know, we banned uh, plastic bags. Yep. You know, yep. and, and of course we've all adapted to it. And we bring our bags into the store. And if we don't have one, it costs 10 cents uh, to get one. It's a, uh, to, you got to buy your bag if you don't, if you don't bring and, one. And life hasn't come to a grinding halt in, here in California because but we But landfills that. have dramatically reduced the, obviously, you know, the overwhelming uh, like problem. Bill, billions and billions, oh, yeah. Oh my God, so many plastic bags. Yeah. Uh, but now, next. Next on the list on the chopping block, plastic straws. Good, you know, you know, and it's funny because my wife and I carry. We always already ha- use uh, a lot of reuse. We love straws in the Stein household, and but we use a lot of reusables because for that reason, like, they why have not? bamboo straws. Oh, got, oh, there you go, biodegradable bamboo, like oh, hemp hemp straws. They've got well, they've got <laughs> paper straws that are wax coated that work fine and they biodegrade within sixty days. There you go. When I when they're, yeah, they're out there. Jack and I first transferred to his current elementary school. Um, we were invited to go to like this film festival that was at LACMA Museum. Oh, fun. And it was film shorts. And I learned by watching a film that plastic never, ever, 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 really. ever goes away. There's yeah. not, so once it's like, there's nothing you can do to to get rid of it. So we do need to keep reducing rid- the plastic. Keep reducing yeah. the plastic. And that's, that's, but that's petroleum-based plastic. Yes, it is petroleum-based. The other ones you're talking about. Hemp. Hemp-based plastics. 90, other, 90 uh, days back to the earth. Yeah. Uh, so Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about traditional. Yeah, yeah. Petroleum-based yeah. plastics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, yeah. a company, there's a company in India right now that's making uh, flatware out of pressed millet. Oh, wow. Of a grain. So yeah. you can use this spoon. And they, evidently, India's got a really bad problem with plastic spoon poisoning <laughs> the planet on their part of it. Yeah. But you can use the spoon. It doesn't fall apart. And then you can actually eat it. Ah, it's hilarious. And they're supposed to be like, okay, it's kind of got this salty, nutty flavor, and it's millet, it's grain, it's That's good like for you. That's a great idea, because even the reusable spoons, I don't know, it's just kind of like, now you got to bring it home. Right, I just would right. rather eat it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they, 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 showed, they showed a bunch of people eating, you know, okay, here's a, they got through the curry, and then they looked at the spoon and looked right in the camera, and chop, 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 and that sucker was gone. And they kind of looked at it, and they said... You know, that wasn't that bad. That's really <laughs> funny, too, because our elementary school really emphasizes throughout the year, you know, please don't don't bring, like, don't pack your kid's lunch with... Plastic. With things yeah, that you have yeah, to throw away. Yeah. You know, it's easier for them to keep the school clean. It's environmental. There's a big push on environment. So... Um, I I buy the I I don't know the acceptable plastic right. whatever it is the hemp based the vegetable based plastic there you go. but but they still you know bring it home and then so it'd just be nice if they could just eat it 
Thank you so much for enjoying this uh, particularly uh, longer version of Jeff's World. But you know what? Like we said, we're going to be off for a little while for just the, the 4th of July break and had to do extra because we just love it so much. We um, want you to be sure that you're going to have enough of us till we come back, peeps. Right. And check your Facebook page. There's another fascinating article I didn't get to, which was called uh, An Insider's View, The Dark Rigidity of Fundamentalist Rural America. And I don't mean that to call out rural America in particular, but it's a great illustration of where the bubble can go. And it's where I teased the top of the show. I said, how is rural America like? spinal fluid the one thing about spinal fluid it, you can there's no white blood cells in spinal fluid meaning that if an infection gets in if a crazy idea gets in there's nothing to remove it and that's one of the danger parts <laughs> oh, of, of 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 a bubbles is that sometimes we have our bubbles left or right where something gets in a fake fact and it just festers it never gets cleaned out because the folks don't want to make a choice so remember if you can change this perspective, try to have a little less contempt and be a little more purpose-driven on what you want, and you will see that it is unfolding. Engage, don't enrage. Yes, be a, this is a participation sport. And if you can't be like Erica where you're out in the streets doing it, just make a call. Make one quick call. And actually, this is a consciousness-based universe. If you know that there are people like Erica out there that are beating the streets to make it happen, it will actually encourage you, make you feel like that it's, it's, it's in process, and it is, because it is. It is happening. Healthcare will be a reality, and it will be an improvement. Californians, call Anthony Rendon. Yes, do that. I'm Jeff Stein. She's Erica Ferriskin. That was Jeff Hendrick. Thank you for listening to Jeff's World. This has been Jeff's World, the social, political, pop cultural discussion show that looks at life through the rose-colored eyes of the almost criminally optimistic Jeff Stein.